Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Back with me for a second day, Michelle Smallman, live from Bristol. What's up, Michelle? What's up, Anthony? Aaron Rodgers with oh. some news today. <laughs> Going to see a little Anthony in the Fast Lane. I said yesterday that I am openly rooting against Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and everything he said today on the Pat McAfee show. Did not change that for me. <laughs> it only reinforced it. Looking forward to getting Michelle's take on Aaron Rodgers as well. Rodgers says he intends he intends to play for the Jets. Says the Packers and Jets need to work out the compensation. He also crushed Adam Schefter, who I thought had a pretty perfect response to that. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. We'll also hand out some NCAA tournament bracket pred- predictions. We'll make it fun, though. Nobody wants to go through every pick. Nobody wants everybody's got their brackets, I'm sure. But you don't want to hear Michelle and I break down every single matchup. So we'll have a little fun, maybe predict some upsets, which number one seed is most vulnerable. Talk about that. We also got plenty of Cardinal stuff to react to, including some breaking news last night, uh, given the bankruptcy situation and where you can watch your Cardinals this year. We all anticipate anticipated that this was coming. Mm-hmm. But we'll kind of talk about it, get our reaction to it, and be, really talk about it from a fan's perspective, Michelle, because that's that's really what, what people care about, including you and I. But we do start off with Craig Ruby. He's set to make history. He's going to become the just the sixth person in NHL history to play in 1,000 or more games and coach in 500, and he's set to do so tonight as the Blues get back into action, a couple of nights off for them. But the Blues, down year for them. But pretty cool tonight at Enterprise against the Wild Michelle. Craig Ruby's going to be the five, 500th. It's going to be his 500th game coached. And I think that this is a man that is the perfect person to be put right there, keep kept in place, to, to look over this retool, to look over this transition that is naturally going to happen now with the Blues, who can't tear everything down because of their contracts, but also aren't in position, at least right now, to be a contender right again, right away again next year. But I love that Baruby's going to be in place. And I'm not just saying it because we love the coach and he's on our show. Mm-hmm. I just think based on his, his coaching at Peoria, what he learned with the Flyers early on, things that he does in St. Louis before the Cup win, after the Cup win, I think he's the perfect man to see, see this through. What do you think? 
I am a huge, huge Chief fan. There's few coaches or managers, Anthony, that I have observed in my time, even just as a St. Louis sports fan or being in the media, that I think are better equipped for the job that they have than Craig Berube is. And when he was initially given the job, I think a lot of people were like, uh, is, is he the one? I don't know. And this was at a time when the team was built to win, was incredibly underperforming, and Mike Yo was the heir apparent to Ken Hitchcock. And it wasn't working out. Army pulls the plug and instills Craig Ruby. And he has, cup win aside, more than proven why he is the right man for the job. And he does have a big mountain to climb with the state of the Blues right now. And... When I think about everything that Craig Berube brings to this organization and why I think he's the guy for the job, Anthony, I get a lot of of what I think about Chief, not just because of the tactical moves that we see him make. How many times have we seen him change up the lines or even the adjustments he, he made recently this season with the four check that seems to extract the best out of his players? In addition to the tactical moves he, he makes, I listen to what players tell us. When mm-hmm. I would interview David Perron or when we talked to Robert Thomas, we hear from the players about Chief's demeanor, how he shoots players straight. They they love his transparency. They know where they stand with him. Right. And they have adopted, at least at, at, at times during his tenure, his identity and brought it to the ice. So I have all the faith in the world that Chief is going to be the guy who's going to be able to turn this, this thing around. Let's go back to when Mike Yo. You had mentioned Mike Yo. Mike Yo mm-hmm. is is fired, and Doug Armstrong is there at the press conference. Craig Bruby's there, and what does Army say? He says, "We're now looking for our next our next head coach." And Craig Bruby is sitting right next to him. And I'm not bagging on Army when I say this because we all went well naturally. Yeah, your your head coach isn't with isn't in the building. Nobody thought that, but lo and behold. The man that was going to take you to uh, a Stanley Cup and win one, first first time in franchise history, was sitting right there next to you. But it was because Craig Berube learned how to work with young guys, knew what he didn't want to do in Philadelphia or repeat the same mistakes they had in Philadelphia. The man is always assertive. Mm-hmm. He does speak his mind. He doesn't play favoritism, but he, he but he is fair with his players. And I go back too to that cup run when he comes in and he says, "All right, take the take the standings down. We're not looking at the standings. Let's let's just redo it here. We're gonna do it our way. We're gonna do it my way, though." And one of the moves that he made was dropping Alexander Steen, Mister Hockey himself, at least in in our regards, right? Somebody that is that is all about hockey, a leader, somebody in Steen that that will press the young guys because if you're not giving that effort, he's going to let you know. Somebody that's well respected in that locker room. Greg Ruby goes, "We're going to you're going to be going down on the fourth line, not a demotion. We're going to maximize you and where you are in the in his, in his career and your career." And Alexander Steen Michelle to his credit goes, "Okay, I trust you." And then every move that Craig Ruby made from that point came with reasoning an understanding of expectations and then to the the player's credit with Steen or somebody else, the execution. And it, it wound up bringing a cup here to St. Louis. That is the man that will lead you through this next transition. And that is somebody, too, that admittedly, when we've had him on the program, he knows he's got some things to clean up. His coaching staff certainly 
didn't get the, didn't maximize certain aspects of the game power you know the power play being one of them but I I trust the fact that Craig Berube from a hockey standpoint and a communication standpoint will be the right guy I think your Steen example Anthony is one of the best ones you could have given because how many times prior to Craig Berube and prior to the even really that specific instance, had we talked about Blues players not buying in. Remember back in the day when we were talking about all this talent and why can't they put it together? Why can't it be a a cup contending team? On paper, everything looks great. There was a lack of buy-in at times collectively from the group. And so I think Craig Berube's approach, the the way he shoots everyone straight and, and the way he framed that for a veteran player like Alex Steen, this is not a demotion. Your your expertise is going to elevate those around you, which is going to be holistically best for the team. That was the way to do it, and it worked. And I think moving forward, he stuck to that, and that's something that players respect. But also, Anthony, the coach can only do so much with the talent that he's given. Right. And I think that it's important to keep that in mind. Do I think that Craig Berube is the man for the job? Absolutely. I think the bigger question is, is the talent going to be good enough for him to turn things around? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You're gonna, and you're, gonna have, you're not going to make a lot, of, a lot of moves this offseason. You don't have the cap space to do so. The contracts that are already on the books, some of them get even larger next year. You're not going to make wholesale changes. This is why Doug Armstrong said, okay, let's bring in Kasperi Kapanen, and this is why we're going to make the trade with Detroit for Verona. We're going to we're going to try to give these guys opportunities on their either second or third third time or team, and see see what we have here. See if we can't catch lightning in a bottle. You're going to have to hit on some of these guys, mm-hmm. and guys now that are struggling are going to have to perform well next year. You're not Austin Matthews isn't walking through the door next year. No. You're not going to have an opportunity to get, you know, Kachuk now. One of the Kachuks. That's no, that, all that's gone. So players that have da- had, that had down seasons this year, and there's a ton of them, they're going to have to up their game next year. But tonight, we celebrate Chief. 500 games coached, 1,000 games played, so he became just the sixth person, or will become just the sixth person in NHL history to accomplish both, both feats, and you can listen to it Right here tonight on 101 ESPN as the Blues host the Minnesota Wilds at 8.30 pregame starting at 7.30. Anthony, do you think the reason there was such quick buy-in with the Blues players in chief is because they YouTubed his fights when he was in the league? I will punch you in the face if you don't do (laughs) what I'm told. Yes, sir. All right. Done deal. Put me on whatever line you want, sir. (laughs) Exactly. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Anthony Stalter. 2.13, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, the Cardinals may have gotten away with something this this offseason based on yet another situation involving another team. We'll explain next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I'm all for the Cardinals being more aggressive in free agency. I'm all for the Cardinals spending a little a little bit more of that do-re-mi <laughs> and upgrading the top of the roster. 
I've mentioned this before. It's not just – I think the Cardinals typically do a good job of adding to the middle of the roster. They add a decent they, – they also kind of do the bargain bin shopping thing where they go and find the, the cost-effective option and get a little bit more depth at certain positions. But rarely do they shop at, at the top of the free agent market. Sometimes, though, you also get lucky. And I think when you look at the injuries that have piled up for some free agents, especially the pitchers, because we are really honed in on the pitchers this offseason. After after they signed Wilson Contreras, what's next? What pitcher are you going to add? A lot of people, myself included, hand raised, wanted Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon, earlier this month, diagnosed with a mild left forearm strain, and he's going to begin the regular season on the injured list. Doesn't mean he's going to miss most of the season. Doesn't mean he doesn't come back and be effective. Doesn't mean he's not a number one, but he gets hurt. And then another player that a lot of people loved, and he was actually the man that started game one of the playoffs last year for the Cardinals, Jose Quintana. He's going to undergo a rib, or he's going to undergo rib surgery Friday and isn't respected to return until July. He's had some testing done, and it really it revealed he's got a lesion that's support that's reportedly benign, but a lesion on his ribs, and he's going to have to have surgery. I would again, I would rather have the Cardinals be aggressive, aggressive, Michelle. But sometimes you just flat out get lucky, and whether it's by design or they they did pursue some of these guys and it just it didn't work out. It looks like the next best opportunity to add to the top of the roster is going to come at the trade deadline for the Cardinals. Anthony, I am with you. I would love for Bill DeWitt to be shopping in Steve Cohen's mall. Whatever that store looks like, I would love for Bill DeWitt to go in and drop down the black Amex. You know what I'm saying? I'm the first one to spend Bill DeWitt's money. I spent it on Bryce Harper. (laughs) I spent it on Juan. So I was ready to spend his money. But the Cardinals have gotten really lucky, not just this offseason and those two pitchers that you mentioned in Rodon and Quintana. And I was surprised that the Cardinals didn't have interest in bringing uh, Jose Quintana back based on what he did for the team last season. And with the questions surrounding the rotation this year, I thought that it would be um, a logical decision for him to return. But let's even go back in the archives. What about Jason Hayward? They were lucky that he didn't choose to come back to St. Louis. Absolutely. We love him. He's going to get a statue. He's going in the Hall of Fame. They're lucky that Albert Pujols turned down their offer and went to Anaheim when he did. Think about the way that that would, without the DH at the time, that that would have hamstrung the organization. Um, I believe there was a Chris Sale um, pursuit in there that didn't work out. David Price. That's the one I was thinking Mm -hmm. of. David Price, thank you. That didn't work out. They have dodged a few financial bullets over the years. And I know it's hard for us as fans, but they are always thinking down the road. They are not thinking about the immediate gratification. And that's hard for us because we're looking at the rotation, some some good names, a lot of potential. There's some question marks. We want them to go out and we want them to put a Band-Aid on it and remedy that thing in real time. We want to feel better about it before the season starts. But with those questions, and I'm glad I'm in the fast lane today because you guys always preach this. You got to be patient. Sometimes you've (laughs) got to take a beat and see what Jack Flaherty is going to be in the regular season. You need to see what what Miles Michaelis is going to do this year and then assess at the deadline like they did last year when they brought in Jordan Montgomery. Also, by that time, 
I think some questions will have worked themselves out in other positions, which gives you some sellable assets potentially to go out and make the move if need be. But I think that they're taking the patient approach and seeing what this rotation looks like and assessing what they need to do in the future. But unfortunately for us as fans, we're ready to go shopping. Oh, always. Because that's your that's your time. It makes you feel good as a fan. It makes you it makes oh. you feel good that your team is spending. Mets fans feel great right now. Trust sure. me. I'm in New York. They feel great. It's it's a thing where you 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 just it, it makes you naturally feel like your team is trying. They're trying, spending a bunch of money. Even though they're spending money because they didn't draft well enough or they didn't re-sign the players that they needed to at the time. Really that's what it is. Free agency is about mistakes. And not mistakes after the fact. It's it's about ma- mistakes that have already happened. It's it's about mistakes that you didn't do enough in previous drafts. A bunch of bust players you didn't. Or maybe they just got hurt. Unluck, maybe you got unlucky. Bottom line is you're trying to band-aid something mm-hmm. because you didn't do it right the first time. So it's like, throw, take my money. You're going <laughs> to fix this. That's what free agency is about. But going back to this, this Cardinals pitching staff, Michelle, I've got kind of an, an interesting contrast in my head because I actually like the starting rotation. Hmm, go on. We know what we're going to get for the most part. Wayno and Flaherty are the biggest question marks, but even Wainwright we talked about yesterday. Okay, I could, even with even with this, can he can he compete? Can he get outs like BT was talking about yesterday? Probably. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, but not overly concerned. And with Flaherty, it's just a big question mark. Until we see it over and over again, that question's just going to be there. Do we know what we're getting out of Miles Michaelis, though? Pretty much, yeah. I Solid number yes. two. Yep. Steven Matz, if he's healthy. Do we know what we're getting out of Steven Matz? If he's healthy, I think we have a pretty good idea. Certainly. Jordan Montgomery, I know we're getting, what, what, what you're getting out of him. He's been... Healthy, reliable. He goes to the post every every five days. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting out of him. So three fifths of the starting rotation. I know you feel the same way. We know what we're getting out of those guys. If healthy, though, caveat. If Michaelis, Mats. I mean, there's been injuries. If healthy, caveats. Downside. You don't have that number one upside. If you look at the upside, though, you know these these pitchers consistently are not are not going to be giving up five runs through four that's just not that's just not their mo so i actually like the starting rotation what i don't like is this idea that even if the cardinals were to get past the first round this time that they line up with the mets or the padres or the dodgers or the phillies or the braves because you lose on paper every single time you have to add somebody at the deadline that's going to make a difference regardless, quite frankly, of whether or not those the, the, the five starting pitchers are pitching well. That is the time where you need to say, we're going to go up over the top. Our offense is legit. Our pitching staff is good. How do we make it great? Regular season, I'm fine with this. Well, I'm, st- I'm fine with this rotation. Postseason, that's where it gets a little murky. But I think if you're wearing the bow tie, aren't you hopefully projecting Jack Flaherty to be that guy if he's healthy? I mean, he hasn't – we haven't seen Jack Flaherty really since that that second half of 2019, that .91 ERA 
we're we're talking about him being the next great ace for the Cardinals second half. Since then, he's only had 154 and two-thirds innings since the start of 2020. We haven't really seen him be that guy because of a truncated season, because of injuries. And if he hits, you're talking about this rotation in a completely different manner. And I think you need to wait and see if he can be that guy. I, you, well, look, your point's well made. I'm still getting somebody. <laughs> I am. You want the insurance policy. I don't blame you. Well, I do too. In that, Michelle, in that case, what's the harm? Okay, so Jack Flaherty is an absolute stud. Right, he's dis- he's disgusting in the in the first half. I'm still adding somebody, so now I got Flaherty and somebody that can be a a, le- a legit number number two that I can match up with again the th- the teams that I mentioned before. What's the harm in that? I still think you need that, so we can wait and see Flaherty. We can kind of talk about the the puppy dogs and ra- and rainbow aspect of what Flaherty could be. I'm still I'm still adding somebody at the deadline. And I'm with you, Anthony. I'm again get get out the black Amex because when's the last time you made it to the postseason and you didn't have an injury in your rotation? Never, at that point never. in the season, there's always somebody that's injured. <laughs> there's Definitely. always an arm that's in trouble. And that's the counter, right? Well, what if you do if all of them pitching are pitching well? Not everybody's going to be healthy. Not everybody's going to be pitching well. But that's why you wait till the deadline because you know then who is that person? Sure. Yeah, you're you're right. You don't need. This is the beauty of playing. Oh, they play in a garbage division. Absolutely, you're you're a 100 right. Oh, they benefit from that. You're damn right they do. No argument. They benefit from a garbage division. Good, because now you can wait until the deadline. You don't need that guy to win you all these games just to make the postseason. You're right. They play in a horse bleep division. Great. Now you can add somebody at the deadline. And not have to worry about needing that guy just to get into the postseason. And you're frying everybody just to get to the postseason. Oh, win the division by 10 games this year. Great. Get some home field advantage potentially. But but you got to add a dude. You got to add that guy. All right, we got some breaking news in the NFL that doesn't involve Aaron Rodgers. Actually involves a local product. We'll tell you what that is next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber says, St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We will get into the comments that Aaron Rodgers made today on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, Deep tease for you. Michelle and I are going to take him to the woodshed. (laughs) Behind it, up on it, underneath it. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be what you expect. And I imagine a lot of people feel the same way about Aaron Rodgers. But maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But the, the latest news, the breaking news actually has to deal with. One of the local products here. So Ezekiel Elliott will be released by the Cowboys, according to Michael Gellink of the Dallas Morning News. He tweeted out 10 minutes ago, Cowboys are releasing Ezekiel Elliott, of course, of John Burroughs. Two people familiar with the situation said he will be designated as a post-June 1 cut for salary cap purposes, Michelle. He'll count against the the Cowboys' salary cap as if he was still on the roster. That's a $16.72 million hit. Cap number then drops to 5.8. It creates about $11 million of cap space this year, and he's going to count $6.4 million against the 2024 cap. But Ezekiel Elliott's time with the, the Dallas Cowboys is over, and it's unfortunate because Zeke, his first, what, three, four years in the league, excellent. He got paid. He wound up being a really good one-two combination with Tony Pollard. But once Pollard emerged as the guy, it was obvious. It was obvious that they needed to reduce the role of Ezekiel Elliott. And to the Cowboys' credit, they did. But then when Tony Pollard got hurt in the NFC Divisional Round game against the 49ers, Cowboys couldn't move the ball. So I I still think that Zeke has some tread on the tire. or He does have some some legs still left in, in him, but... At this point, he's probably going to have to settle for maybe a one- or two-year deal. More likely one. Yeah, this is something that I think a lot of people forecasted coming down the pipeline with, as you mentioned, Zeke coming off a year where he had his lowest production. Career low, 876 yards. He averaged a career low 3.8 yards per carry. So you've got declining production and that six-year $90 million contract. That's a, that's a bad equation if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Not to mention, as you said, Tony Pollard has emerged as the team's obvious best running back. But Zeke still was an incredible career with the Dallas Cowboys, one of the best in Cowboys history. He's third all-time on the Cowboys franchise rushing yard list, 8,262. Wow. And he rushed for 1,000 yards four times in seven seasons. So one of the all-time greats for the Cowboys. But, Anthony, I'm wondering where he goes next. My, when you told me the news in the break, my my first thought was maybe the Bengals because they they lost Samaj P. Ryan. Mm-hmm. Could you pair him with Joe Mixon? But if I'm the Bengals and I'm looking at that production, I, I don't know if he's the answer there. You're the football expert here. Is there a landing spot just off the top of your head that you think would be a good fit for Zeke? Well, first of all, you're playing – you're playing uh, playing it fast and loose with the word expert, but I do appreciate the compliment, <laughs> Michelle. The Bengals would be an interesting fit because, as you mentioned, they're, they're kind of losing their power guy. And not that Samaj P. Ryan is a, a prototypical power back, but he certainly was for Cincinnati in relation to Joe Mixon. And the Bengals are going to have to have an interesting decision to make. Do they do they even want to keep Joe Mixon moving forward? They may They may just completely start over at running back. But I think you're on the the this the the line the right line of thinking in that what's a team 
that does not have a power element to the running game. Because that's what Zeke is right now. You try to run him outside the tackles, it doesn't work anymore. He's a between-the-tackle runner, short-distant short runner, somebody that's that, that has been good at the goal line, somebody that it, basically how the Cowboys used him, utilized him last year, I think a team can still utilize Zeke in that same role. The team that I actually thought of first that does not have a power element to their game is a team that was in the playoffs last year, blew a significant lead, and it was one of the reasons was they, they couldn't run the football in the second half. And a lot of people say, well, why didn't they run? You know, they, 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 they got away from the run. No, they couldn't run the ball. They tried to, and that was the Chargers. When the Chargers went down to Jacksonville, got that big lead, came out in halftime, and if you noticed, they were running the ball on early downs. And then Justin Herbert was third and eight every time. And you don't want to be in that spot. So I think the Chargers, based on the money, could be a perfect fit for Zeke. But we know Austin Eckler has, is seeking out a trade. Zeke can't be your number one. He's got to be a compliment to Austin Eckler or somebody like that. The other team I wrote down, if you stay in Texas, one-year deal, why not go play for D'Amico Ryans and the Texans? Mm-hmm. I realize it's a significant step down. You go from the Cowboys to the Texans. But if he wants to, if Zeke wants to continue his career, I think the Texans would be a perfect kind of bridge gap for whoever the next team he signs with. He's 27 years old. He's not looking at big money now. One-year deal, bridge. Maybe you get a two-year deal out of it with somebody else if you show that you still have a little juice in your legs. So the Chargers and the Texans were team, teams that I wrote down. But the – there are plenty of teams that need a power element. It's just, do they want to add a veteran like Zeke, who is, as you noted before, coming off his worst year, statistically? So the Texans were 31st in the NFL in rush yards per game, rushing touchdowns, and yards per carry. Is that good? Um, it is not. So <laughs> confirmed. So I guess it depends on what he thinks is the best fit for him, because that's a place that he's certainly going to go and get his touches. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it is a step down as far as the compete level of the team. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go go to a contender, you know, you mentioned Cincinnati, that'd be nice. The Chargers are a contender. I we brought up two contenders. Outside of that, you're going to be looking at teams that want you for your veteran presence, but probably only for one year. Mm-hmm. The perfect fit is actually Dallas. He goes, but you know, if he were to stay there. Report at one point he reportedly was willing to restructure the contract. I don't know where that led. Obviously the Cowboys decided to cut him, but that that's the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. It's him and Pollard. Yeah, you come back on a cheaper contract. It right. helps us with the cap. Exactly, yeah. but maybe winds up a St. Louis Battlehawk at some point, Michelle. Wouldn't you love to see that? Uh, comes I back love- home. You're wearing the shirt today, Anthony. I'm You're representing. The, yeah, I'm wearing the Battlehawk shirt. So why not? Why not? Uh, why not Z come home? Perfect I've- compliment to Brian Hill. Couldn't you see him with the crop top, feed the beast, giving out a great cacao at the 100%. dome? Yes. I could see it. All right, so let's get let's get Zeke on the phone. Make sure his agent knows that the Battlehawks would be welcome to have him on. I don't know why I'm speaking for the Battlehawks. They don't need they don't need my advice, but I just want to see Zeke come home and play for the Battlehawks. Does that work? I'm in, and All if right. I'm the Battlehawks, I would love for you to speak on my behalf.
You're you're an you're an A-list radio host in St. Louis. Anthony, yeah. vote for Anthony, <laughs> St. Louis Magazine A-list radio host. Anthony, somehow I somehow I made that <laughs> list. Somebody was very kind to me. They just voted and voted over and over again. I'm sure it was one person. Maybe my wife. Got to love her. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Beck right now is probably calling me. Get get Stalter on the phone. I, listen, we don't need you to talk for us. Nonetheless, he could still look look good in a Battlehawk uniform. All right, we have what's trending coming up next. One of the bigger breaking news came from last night. Something that we knew was coming, it's now official, but we'll we'll tackle that subject next and what's trending in the Fast Lane with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Anthony, you teased it in the last segment, but Diamond Sports, their group files for bankruptcy. What does that mean for the sports team, the sports teams here in St. Louis? Well, as Bill DeWitt actually noted, it's a situation that is concerning, and the Cardinals haven't hid from that. But it, it's a situation that's concerning, and as Bill DeWitt noted, it's it's fluid. The situation is fluid. Like fast lane fluid? I think that's pretty or appropriate. Real yeah. fluid. So, Michelle, I don't do you know what fast lane? Well, when we use the word fluid, do you know what we're usually saying? No, fill me in, guys. It's uh it's our version of the F word that we can't say on air. Ah, yeah, so if we say Well, they kind of are fluid. Yeah, exactly. So if we say like the the Cardinals' rotation in the postseason might be fluid. We mean the other F word. Okay. Yeah. I, thank you for giving me the key here to the No code. problem. Yeah, I appreciate no problem. that. From what I know, it's with Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. It's not Chapter 7. 7 is like complete wipe away. We're not paying anything. So Chapter 11 would be creditors can still get something back in return obviously i'm not an expert in this category but from what i could gather that's what some of the differences are there's various chapters so 11 doesn't mean that they're completely absolved of debt chapter 7 would be so the diamond sports group which is essentially bally sports midwest that's the parent company for bally sports midwest will likely have to pay pay back something so i think this is where it's murky where well where do we watch our cardinals for now, you could still watch them on Bally Sports Midwest based on your ca- cable, satellite, or streaming services. That's what that means. Now, a lot of people are griping, and I, I get it. I, I'm with you. That part of the reason, you know, look, Bally Sports Midwest, they haven't made it available. They haven't made their product available to certain people locally. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a local sports team, and you're blacked out because of restrictions. And you're in St. Louis. It's Which ridiculous. Which is crazy. It is. It's crazy. Even if you were to purchase the MLB TV streaming service, you're blacked out in St. Louis. And not a lot of people, if you're a Mets fan, okay, you don't care. But if you're a Cardinals fan, just trying to see your Cardinals, I don't blame people for being, you know, furious over that. So now it becomes a bit of a bidding war, Michelle, over who gets the, those rights. Does MLB eventually take over? I'm sure that's going to be a lengthy process, too. But for now, you can still watch your Cardinals on Valley Sports Midwest. 
I don't know about you. The only reason, seriously, the only reason that I had cable, have cable, is because I still have Valley Sports Midwest, is for Valley Sports Midwest, so that I can get access to the Cardinals and the Blues. Sure. It's the only reason that I need to pay Spectrum for cable is so that I can get access to Valley to watch those games. It's a shame. And And I know a lot of people are in that boat, and it drives them crazy that they have to do that. So I was I was reading Rob Manfred's quotes on this, and he kind of laid out the blueprint and gave us an insight into MLB's plan because basically of Diamond Sports Groups, they announced last month they're, they're going to miss $140 million interest payment. So Rob Manfred said, here's what baseball plans to do if they start missing payments. And I'm not going to read the whole quote, but here's the, the one thing that I think will kind of pop out at people. He said that they will, they're going to utilize MLB Network and then they're going to go directly to distributors, Comcast, Charters, big distributors, and make an agreement to have those games distributed on uh, distributed on cable networks. And they're going to look at having flexibility on the digital side, like MLB.tv. So essentially, they're going to terminate these Bally agreements if, in fact, Diamond Sports Group misses payments. And then they're going to make sure that those games are available to fans, whether it's on cable TV or on streaming. Mm -hmm. And I think that this has been something that's been a thorn in baseball side for a long time. How how many times, Anthony, have we had this conversation? Why is baseball not more popular popular nationally? How do they reach this bigger audience? Well, how about we start by making sure that your games are available to the entire country, including passionate fan bases that already exist. So I think that this might be an opportunity for baseball to find a way to make games accessible to more people with the MLB TV uh, access, the streaming access that they're going to get. I'm not suggesting that fans won't be ticked off by what I'm about to say, but I do wonder, Michelle, if Cardinals fans, who just like you, have only had the Spectrum or or other cable or satellite companies, mostly because of Cardinals and Blues, if they wouldn't be willing to pay a monthly subscription cost to go to MLB.com TV or wherever, MLBTV.com, to get the Cardinals. You can't black me out then, but I'll pay the subscription, whether that's 20 bucks a month or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I'll also cut the cable bill or the satellite bill. I think I think a lot of people would be willing to do that. That doesn't mean that they won't be frustrated because it's another it's another bill, but you're already paying for that cable and the satellite as it is, and if you're only using it or mostly using it for Cardinals and Blues games, I wonder if they'd be okay with that. Say, all right, look, I'll, I'll pay the I'll pay the monthly fee. Now, if they're on ESPN, they're on Fox, they're on Apple TV, you're going to miss that game, unfortunately, unless you have those other streaming services. But I wonder if this isn't the route that people go at some point. If so the Cardinals are, I think, kind of an outlier in this discussion that point that I'm going to bring up. Because the Cardinals could could develop their own network and mm-hmm. people all over the country would watch. Cardinal Nation runs deep. I go anywhere, Anthony, on a trip and I see people wearing Cardinals hats. Even abroad, you see people repping the Cardinals. I think that they could develop like a yes network and right. their content would would be something that people would be willing to pay for. 
but I don't think every franchise has that luxury. You think the Reds are going to develop their own network no. and that people are going to be clamoring mm-hmm. to pay X amount of dollars a month? I would absolutely love to be able to just subscribe to the Cardinals, yeah. just the Cardinals, because any national games that I want to watch are likely on Sunday Night Baseball or or on Fox, and I get that through YouTube TV or whatever. I'm going to have access right. to the big national games that I want. But am I on a regular basis tuning in to watch the Mariners? I'm not. Like, shout out J-Rod. Love you. <laughs> I have to watch the Cardinals. I'm not staying up to watch the Mariners after that. We only want access to our own teams. Baseball has become so regionalized in that manner. We don't have enough hours in the day <laughs> to be able to watch all of these other teams. Certainly. Um, but I, I really do wonder what the conversations are like behind the scenes about the best way to maximize this for baseball as a whole. Because they might be presented with a unique opportunity to really make themselves more available co- coast to coast. I would imagine, Michelle, that the Cardinals would be at least considering that. And when Michelle says the Yes Network, she's talking about the Yankees. The Yankees have their own network, the Yes mm-hmm. Network. I would I would imagine the Cardinals would do very well if they were to offer a subscription service. Now, you still have overhead. You're still employing you're still employing the broadcast team. You're still employing, you know, cameramen and all that. I mean, it's an undertaking, I would imagine. But as you mentioned before, I don't think it would just be St. Louis that Cardinals fans would be getting that subscription. How many people are paying for the MLB TV subscription out of town to watch the Cardinals and not u- utilizing it, not watching any other teams? I would imagine that that the DeWitts are thinking about it. At least I hope they are. And I think I, 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 could, I could envision this being a process. Something that they look into. We'll, we'll find out. All right. It's the Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. The Athletic put together a list of 10 players, 10 young players, impressing in spring training right now. There's no surprise at number one. I wonder if there's a small surprise, though, somewhere else on the list. That's next on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We were talking about Ezekiel Elliott, of course, local products in the first hour. Michelle, he was released today by the Cowboys, released about a half hour ago or so. Uh, Dave tweeted at Michelle and I because we were talking about different destinations that he could go to, and we threw out a couple of teams, and one of them being the Texans. Uh, and we said, but, you know, if he wants to play for a contender, that that obviously wouldn't be a good fit. And Dave tweeted at us. He goes, you guys act like Elliott hasn't been playing for a contender up until now. He was a cowboy. They're only, they're only contenders on paper, never on the field. They have the worst GM in the history of any sport. Compared to the current state of the Texans, the Cowboys <laughs> are Super Bowl contenders. I mean, come on. I like I that mean, guy. Playoff team. <laughs> right? Just punch yeah. your ticket, see what happens. I, I understand his 
Cal- I, I imagine he's a Cowboys fan. I understand the frustrations, but. But that is one of the greater things in sports, though, is it not to watch the Cowboys make the playoffs and just implode every year? Marsh basically he, get, he is the, he's thinking about the popcorn right now, oh, thinking about man. that possibility again. He loves watching that that complete collapse. Oh, it's so fun! Like, it's so satisfying. And now that the Cubs have won a World Series, and we don't have that to look forward to them being completely useless by September, <laughs> I'm glad that the Cowboys have taken the torch because it is fun to watch them uh, get to the precipice of being great and then fail spectacularly every mm. year. Do you guys and, and give me a second to like sort of get the words out correctly because I don't want anybody to be like, well, you like the Cubs. Marsh likes the Cubs, but do you almost <laughs> wish that the Cubs were a little bit more competitive so that rivalry was a little bit better? Because I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't even really care about the Cubs, nor do I care about the Blackhawks. They're terrible too. You know what I'm saying? Like that I rivalry do doesn't feel as as strong as it. Yeah, it once when, was. Well, when look, when the Cubs and the Cardinals are both good, no, yeah. when they're both contending for the NL Central, the late the, the September games, right, between the two teams, whether it's at Wrigley or, or Bush Stadium, are absolutely electric. So I understand what you're saying. I just hate that you like the Cubs now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Marsh confirmed Cubs fan. I Weird. Mean, <laughs> quite frankly, it's disgusting. But uh, we'll maybe we'll get into that a little bit later on. Jim Bowden, our guy at the Athletic, who always has. We always love lists as sports radio hosts, as sports fans. We love lists. Love a list. So Jim Bone, he he has this list today for the Athletic. Or he wrote it yesterday. MLB spring training standouts: ten young players who are who are impressing GMs and scouts. Number one, not surprising. That's our guy Jordan Walker. He's number one on this list of ten. Couple of highlights here. Jordan Walker began spring training knowing that he had to learn a new position, left field, and had a roadblock of outfielders ahead of him. Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and Lars Newbar, all of whom deserve the first shot at the Cardinals' starting outfield positions. But Walker has the biggest upside of the group, so much so much so that I ranked him as the top prospect in the sport last August. Goes on talking about how he's a legit rookie of the year this season. Michelle, not surprising at all to see Jordan Walker at the top of Jim Bowden's list. Not at all, Anthony. Um, I read this yesterday on the Athletic app, and I saw the headline, and the little photo next to it was of Jordan Walker, and mm-hmm. I was already like gearing myself up to be mad. I'm like, is this <laughs> is this clickbait? Like, I'm going to click on this, and Jordan Walker's not number one because I'm ready to do a segment about it today because right. he deserves to be number one. But there's no way that you can't have this guy number one. He has so much hype surrounding him and to this point he has matched the hype and that's very hard to do so you gotta have jordan walker number one i was wondering if another cardinal would make the list and lo and behold jim bowden has mason win ranked ninth again this is the top 10 mlb mlb spring training standouts young players that have impressed scouts and gms mason win nine Mason Wynn is arguably the best shortstop arm in the game, reminiscent of reminiscent, excuse me, of the gun former Cub, uh, Cubs shortstop Sean Dunstan once displayed. In fact, Wynn has been clocked at more than 100 miles per hour throwing at first base. He also, Jim Bowden, also talked to Mike Gersh, the GM for the Cardinals, saying, we are seeing what we expected, a toolsy young shortstop who plays with confidence with so many guys at the WBC He'll keep getting opportunities to show off his skills. Michelle, we did talk to BT about this yesterday. For those that are upset or frustrated that Mason Wynn 
just the idea that Mason Wynn won't be on the roster and Paul DeYoung will, you're missing the fact that you do have a development aspect with Mason Wynn. If he's going to be a backup shortstop at your big league level, you cannot have him on the roster. He has to get ABs down in Memphis, which is where Mason Wynn is ticketed. My question is this, though. Do you think we could see Mason win in, a, in September? Yes. I do, too. I think he has accelerated the process in which Mason, in which to join the big league club. Mm-hmm. With where, his spring training? Yes. Yes. Where it was maybe 2024 to definitely 2024, maybe 2023. And this is one of those things where we talked earlier in the show about Cardinals fans being patient. Over the past couple of years, you had loaded free agent shortstop classes, and you want the Cardinals to go out and get one of those big names and give them the money. But they're like, why would we pay this guy when we've got Mason Wynn coming down the pipeline? Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of potential. We're seeing it play out in spring training, and you hope that it hits at the, at the major league level. But I am with you, Anthony. He's had such a good spring thus far. And everything that I've read about Mason Wynn and then watching him play, you you knew about the arm, you knew about the defense, you knew about the skill set, the speed. And the question a lot of times around him was like, oh, we need his bat to come around. And Jim Bowden addressed that as well. And you're seeing good signs out of spring training. You get him that seasoning in the minors, get him those ABs, as you mentioned. I wouldn't be surprised if come September, we're in a position where we're talking about Mason Wynn coming up and being on the uh, – if he's not there before on the postseason roster. Yeah, he's got he's got his development time in, the, in Memphis. He shows enough, and then they say, okay, now we can talk about adding him to the roster because he's one of the top 26-plus players on the on the Cardinals roster. That That's different than starting the season as a backup shortstop, which, again, will not will not happen. The other question then becomes, and I know we're looking down the road here, and a lot could happen between now and a year from now, but you got kind of a different, a, a difficult roster matrix with, with Tommy Edmond, Donovan, Gorman, and then Mason Wynn. I know. You've got a very crowded uh, little corner there mm-hmm. of, of four dudes trying to find dance, or, or what is it, musical chairs, or trying to find the chair. Sure. And that's not to say that Mason Wynn couldn't play center field. I imagine that this this will be Tyler O'Neill's last season with the Cardinals, regardless of whether or not he plays well or, or not. But Dylan Carlson is still earmarked for center field. New Park could play center field. Walker likely to start the the season with the big league club, and he's going to be he's going to be in left. But you still you're still trying to get abs for Gorman too. And I know that. Um, he's not going to be your everyday third baseman, obviously. we got a pretty good guy there for the Cardinals, but he could give Nolan Arenado a break, slide back over to his natural position. He was drafted as a third baseman. You could maybe get Arenado a few more rest. He's not going to want to take those, but right. you know, maybe that's something that you try to bake in this year, trying to get Gorman some more ABs. But it is a complicated matrix to figure out because you've got a lot of – good players slash potential that you're trying to work out and not enough time and mm-hmm. ABs for all of them to really get the runway that they need. The good news is, though, is that there is a lot of versatility in that group and that you can try to find those ABs in different ways. Sure. I mean, if Tommy Edmond have to sh- has to shift back over to second base, uh-huh. you're talking about somebody who won a gold glove at second base. Donovan 
could go out in the outfield if need be. Donnie Baseball can go but, anywhere. Yeah, but but you know Don, Donovan obviously had a bunch of success defensively last year too. So it's a pro, it's a problem, but it's a good problem to have, and it's it's one that maybe it leads to the Cardinals making a trade. And maybe that's why they're being patient, Anthony, with the rotation because they're going to have some pieces if need be, to go out and get that guy at the deadline. Yeah, you never know. All right, so Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker both both make the top 10 list for Jim Bowden's top top 10 young players who are impressing GMs and scouts. Can I give you one more thing, Anthony? Mm-hmm. We talk about the Cardinals fan base being spoiled, and we are. Every single year, we've got some player that's a highly touted prospect that's coming down the pipeline. When's the last, the last, I would love to do this as an experiment, go back through and find the last year that there wasn't a big Cardinals prospect that we were talking about coming up. There's always the next guy. This is a constant conversation that we're having is, how are we going to get this guy innings? How are we going to get this guy at bat? So Mm -hmm. is this going to be the next big player for the Cardinals? When we when we talk about us being spoiled as a fan base, this is one of those aspects because not not every franchise consistently is churning out the type of young talent that the Cardinals are. Yeah, Gorman a year ago, Gorman, we were, we were kind of excited to see what Gorman could be. Three or so years ago, it was Dylan Carlson. I I I think you have to go back to and maybe there's some there's a little bit of carryover with with the late Oscar Tavares here. But Stephen Biscotti and Randall Gritchick, I kind of call it the Gritchick-Biscotti era, mm-hmm. that is when I feel is the last time the Cardinals didn't have that top prospect that you were really excited about. But again, I'd have to go back and look because I'm sure there was some carryover with, with Oscar Tavares. There was probably a pitcher we were excited about. Maybe, yeah. And Michael Walker was 2014, Four, so yeah, it was a little 14. bit earlier than that. But, yeah, maybe there was. They they have completely changed their draft model, and it is it has worked. And when you go back and look at that draft of Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Tink Hens, there's going to be a lot of teams that look back and say, okay, what did what did the Cardinals know at that point? What did they do? What did they know? We We have to hone in on that process because they obviously hit on that. Time to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, boy. And while listening to the Pat, Pat McAfee show, or at least some of the clips, Michelle, I was really trying not to get angry at everything that Aaron Rodgers said. But there was one thing that really sent me over the top. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, his appearance on the Pat McAfee show, and his future next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, I think, you know, my plea is, and I would say this is debatable, but I'm debatably the best player in franchise history. I'm in the conversation for sure. Ask Schefter what I text him when he somehow got my number. I didn't respond to Diana Rossini, I think her name is, but like, I would say the same thing that I told Schefter. Lose my number. To which Adam Schefter went on Twitter and said, I can confirm and snapped the screenshot of Aaron Rodgers who appeared on the Pat McAfee show today that Aaron Rodgers did, in fact, tell Shefty to lose his number. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Anthony Stalter. So that was just some of the smugness out of uh, Aaron Rodgers today on the Pat McAfee show. 
Oh, no, you didn't go after my Italian sister, Diana Rossini. <laughs> you know oh, no, you is. didn't. How dare you? you? First of all, how dare you? You know who she is, Aaron Rodgers. Just stop it. Some of which I think he he was trying to be funny. I don't I don't find him funny, but it, it, I can at least recognize like the sarcastic humor when he's saying, "I think I'm one of the top players in Packers history." Like he's being arrogant, but I also think he's he's attempting to be funny there too. You didn't find it funny either. I'm looking at yeah, you, no, and Michelle's not, like, "No, I'm not laughing. Mm. I'm not laughing." So, I mentioned this before, Michelle. I really did because I went on a rant yesterday. Ranthony came in. He stopped by the show yesterday, and I. I said that I was personally rooting against Aaron Rodgers. Uh-huh. Typically, I don't. I mean, since when I was a kid, I, there were certain players on opposing teams that drove me crazy. But since since entering this arena, there really hasn't been a, an athlete that I'm, I'm like openly rooting for. I just find it, especially as I get older, I, I'm not going to root against a, basically a kid, somebody who's 20 years old. Aaron Rodgers, one, he's not a kid. I'm going to make the exception on Aaron Rodgers. I hope he fails next year. I really <laughs> do. I'm just going to be open with it. Wow. It's personal with you. It is. It's done nothing to me. I don't even know him personally. Don't know who the hell I am. Never will. But somehow it's personal. Somehow it's personal. Great. And I said this yesterday. I'm. I. I. You need. You, I'd love to have a beer with that guy. Not him. He's the exact opposite of. I'd love to have a beer with that guy. Mm-hmm. It's the arrogance. It's the smugness. It's the. I'm the smartest guy in the room. All of that. That's what gets me about Aaron Rodgers. Do you Mark. think he uh you think he does this stuff on purpose? Of course he does. To make people such as yourself irritated because it's working. Okay. Can I can I give you my answer to that? So you're I th- that guy. I uh, thought about Michelle. this today. I thought about this today, guys. So I appreciate the way that he views what we do, Anthony Marsh. Because when you think about it, it is kind of silly that we have all of these networks that break down every single syllable 24 7 365 that these guys say sure and i appreciate that he knows that he can come out and say anything and we're gonna diagnose it all week long we're gonna try to find deeper meaning behind it and predict what he's going to do and that he knows he has that power mm-hmm. because it is if you th- if you take a step back and you look at this a little existentially it is kind of hilarious that we have built this multi-billion dollar industry into dudes throwing a ball around right. like we did at recess i mean yep. I-, I get that he likes to strip it down and and kind of make a mockery of sure. it to, to yeah. some point okay but there is a business behind this including the business that employs you and that's that's kind of where i get a little angry because people's livelihoods are at stake here and i while i part of me likes the little wink that he has mm-hmm. mocking the media the other part of me is like okay but this is really serious for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I Look, I'm, I'm with you on that, too. And we do, I mean, the debate shows and even stuff. I mean, we we poke fun at ourselves, too. I mean, there's a lot of people in this industry. I'd like to, I would like to think that uh, me, Marsh, Michelle, Jamie, Carrie, everybody, Randy, they're on this, these airwaves. We don't take ourselves too seriously. You may no. think we do, but it's, we don't take ourselves too seriously. There are plenty of people in this industry and even in this market that do – we like to be self-deprecating. So you're right, Michelle. There is an element of that. This is what got me, though. I said I was going to listen, and I'm trying not to be angry about it. The thing that you just heard coming in didn't get me. I'm like, okay, he's doing his thing. 
When he said this, though, this is this is what irritated me. Marsh, hit it. Uh, mentally, everything that I was told in the week that I was in Green Bay was take as long as you want and, you know, we want you to retire Packer. Uh, you know, you want to come back and play. Obviously, the door is wide open. Um, so that was the information that I was going that was, that I was going on. Now, when I came out of the darkness, something changed. I heard from multiple people that I trust uh, around the league, players mostly, that there was some shopping going on. They were interested in actually moving me. At this point, you know, I, I got to admit, I went in the darkness, 90% retiring, 10% playing. That's where my, my mind was. My mind was, I'm, I'm tired of this. I hadn't got back into my workouts yet. And I thought that that was what was best for me. So I went in the darkness to contemplate a lot of different things. But one day I spent entirely on the, the reality I was retired. And one day I spent entirely on the reality that I was coming back and playing. And just really sat with that for hours and hours, uh, what that looked like, what the reality is, how that all felt. And uh, when I came out, I was really interested in what the, what the kind of landscape was, uh, where, where Green Bay was at. And obviously, uh, if uh, I wanted to play, you know, what were the options? So let me get this straight. You're telling me that Aaron Rodgers had a clean slate about everything going into the darkness, which which irritates me when you say, ah, you know, coming in and out of the darkness. This is stupid. This is dumb. But he had a clean slate, Michelle. I'm going to go into this cave, and I know it wasn't a cave, but I'd rather call it a cave than darkness. So I'm going to do the Bane thing. Clear mind. And as he's sitting in there, he decides, I'm 90% ready to retire. That's what he said. That's his words. 90-10. 90% retired, 10% coming back. But then he gets out of the Bane retreat, and he says he talks to people, mostly players in the league. Maybe that's true. I'm sure he jumped onto Google and checked out some of the media members that he's, he's you know poking fun at and saw the Packers are entertaining trading him. And that is when he said, you know what, I'm going to come back. Really? It took you going into the cave and coming back out and being told the Packers were interested in shopping you to say, to hell with it, I'm coming back now. You're full of it. You're full of it. You know the Packers are ready to move on from you. You pompous, you know what? You knew it. So you're trying to basically say, the Packers did this to me. And guess what, dude? Brett Favre already did that. You went to the Brett Favre playbook. This isn't even unique. You think you're creative and you're the smartest dude. Brett Favre did this. Brett Favre waited to the point until the Packers said, we can't do it anymore. Ted Thompson... And Packers, I forget who else was on the trip, went to Brett Favre, say, hey, we want you back. Brett Favre said, ah, I still don't know yet. He waited until the Packers said, we can't do it anymore. We have to move on. He says he's retired. Then he says, you know what? No, I'm coming back. I want to go back and be a Packer. And the Packers are like, no, it was all right. We're on Aaron Rodgers now. He's the guy now. And Brett Favre's like, the Packers did this. No, they didn't. But Aaron Rodgers, Michelle, used Brett Favre's playbook. You wait just long enough knowing that you want to go out, you want to, you want to leave, 
and the Packers decide we cannot do this anymore. And then you want to make the Packers look like like they're the bad guys. After holding that organization hostage for two straight years now and then bowing to you, that is the part that drove me drove me insane. It's there's no humility there, in my opinion. Anthony, good to see you, buddy. There we go. Always love when you drive by. Open chair anytime. Walked out. He's good. <laughs> so I don't mind him saying he's coming in and out of the darkness. Again, I I take a step back here and I love someone that is constantly pushing themselves. I'm not, I love a cleanse, Anthony. I love some sort of a, a kooky health habit sure. or, or trying something different. I like that he's constantly trying to evolve and push himself in different ways. Is it tr- traditional for most people? No, but I like that he's trying to better himself. So the darkness doesn't bother me. You know what does bother me? Hypocrisy. <laughs> Hypocrisy bothers me. In that interview, Aaron Rodgers, while he goes on to praise the Packers and the organization, he does throw them under the bus, okay? Yeah. he He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. It's like a complisol, you know, where you give a little insult but then follow it up by a compliment. It's a compliment. A classic complicell from Aaron Rodgers. We call it the crap sandwich here in the fast lane. There you go. A, a nice crap sandwich mm-hmm. on, right off the menu. So he says in, in there that he likes direct communication. He's essentially implying that if they would have just come to him, he even says this, if they would have come to me and said, we're ready to move on from you, he, w- he would have understood, whatever. Mm. Okay. Can we talk about the communication line that you've had with the Packers since they drafted Jordan Love in 2020? I went back, Anthony, and I pulled some receipts. From our boy Aaron Rodgers nice. since 2020. Can I read you a few quotes Please. from him over the past few years? Absolutely. Okay? After the Packers drafted Jordan Love in 2020, we remember Aaron was not pleased. <laughs> he was upset by that pick. Here is a quote. My sincere desire to start and finish with the same organization, just as it has with many other players over the years, may not be a reality at this point. As much as I understand the organization's future outlook and wanting to make sure they're thinking of the team down the line, and I respect that, at the same time, I still believe in myself and I have a strong desire to play into my 40s. I'm just not sure how that all works together at this point. So all the way back in 2020, he's telling us, I don't know if I'm going to be a Packer. I don't like the pick. I don't know if it's going to work out for me. Let's move on to the next season. After 2021, when asked about retirement, here's a quote from Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't rule that out. I think I'm just enjoying this season for this season. I think that playing next year will definitely be in the thought process. One of the things, wanting to not be a bum on the way out and still be able to play, I think is important to me. He also was interviewed by Aaron Aaron Andrews during the season and said that he 100% considered retirement or playing elsewhere in the offseason because the Packers wouldn't commit to him in 2021. Okay? So this is now two seasons in a row you said that you might not come back and play remember when he was at the golf event mm-hmm. this year in 2022 yes. he says he thinks about retirement all the time uh-huh. he thinks about it all the time so you want direct communication well you have been communicating to the organization since 2020 that you want out and all of a sudden you're surprised that they're shopping right. come on spare me dude spare me absolutely how about the same waste management it, 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 that's where he was playing in phoenix wasn't that the same golf event where he said, oh, I have a bunch of Raiders fans out here. They were talking to me about uh, getting getting back with Devontae Adams. And, but it's fun. That'd be fun. Come on. The Green Bay Packers are not the Aaron Rodgers. 
the Green Bay Packers will 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 go on long before long after Aaron Rodgers and that era and long after whatever the Jordan Love era winds up being the Green Bay Packers they have to worry about them and I think they've done you know drafting Jordan Love okay were they disrespectful Aaron Rodgers was drafted well before Brett Favre retired they did the same thing. They, they've had they've had a bit of a track record here. Okay, we got to prepare for the future. The Patriots selected multiple, multiple quarterbacks while Tom Brady was still under contract, including Jimmy Garoppolo. He didn't love that. No. Why? Because you reach a certain age as a quarterback and you do become Drew Brees, or you do become Phillip Rivers, or you do become Peyton Manning, or you do become Matt Ryan. They have to think ahead. Why? The fan base is going to blast you if you don't. So the Packers just did what, okay, we like Jordan Love. He's, he's fell to us. All right. Here's Aaron Rodgers wrapping up on this. This is Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, on the Jets. At this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. And I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get uh, for me and kind of digging their heels in. So I would just... Uh, I think it is interesting at this point to step back and look at the whole picture. I hope the Packers, this isn't good business. I, I realize this. Michelle, I hope the Packers send them to the Jets and get a third round pack. Say, this oh. is what you're worth. No, see, we're you're a worth total a third. opposite. See, I am so shady, Anthony. He went on Pat McAfee and told the world, I'm playing for the Jets. The Packers hold all the cards now. Where else is he going to go? He's, right. He doesn't want to come back to Green Bay. Okay, you're going to retire. The Jets are now, they were already in desperation mode. The Packers could just sit back and be like, this is what we want and we're not budging. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to pay it, okay, right. let him retire. We got Jordan Love. You're the one that needs him. You're the one. And, and how are you going to explain that to your fan base that he went on Pac Mac- McAfee and said, I intend to play for the New York Jets. Right. And you don't want to give our asking price for him? Okay, go ahead. Tell your fan base that you weren't willing to fork it up. If I'm the Packers, I am chilling. I have poured a good, nice glass of red. I've put Whoa, on some, some tunes. On. I'm chilling. What are you pouring? A nice glass of red. I'm pouring a nice glass of scotch. There you go. For Aaron Rodgers. All right, that's, uh, that'll do. I think, we, I think we've expounded on our <laughs> thoughts about Aaron Rodgers. We'll, you know, we'll let you know if and when the Packers and Jets do do decide to make some compensation uh, or figure out the compensation aspect, and he goes to the Jets. And when he does, I'm going to write it right against him. By the way, if you're the Jets, you're like, really? You're 90% retired? How do you feel <laughs> if you're the Jets? Ah, not a 10, you're going to get 10% of me. I, I mean, you, you've heard the quote since 2020. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Absolutely. he's he's done this every year. Oh, I'm considering it, you know? Unreal. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We'll go real quick. We're not going to go, you know, pick by pick. But we'll have some fun when it comes to the NCAA tournament, some Final Fours, uh, which number one seed is most vulnerable, things like that. We'll do an NCAA tournament quick hitter next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Appreciate you joining us. So the NCAA tournament 
it has kicked off. Uh, unfortunately, Simo fell last night, but a couple of local teams still in it. First round starts Thursday. We'll be at Max in downtown Alton. Hope you join us out there. Plenty of TVs, plenty of ice cold beer, excellent menu. So we'll be down in uh, Alton tomorrow and Friday. Hopefully, again, hopefully see you, see you down there. So Michelle, mm-hmm. you are a proud alum of the University of Illinois. You bet I am. They have the eight seed Arkansas this week. What do you think? This is the best and worst time of the year for me, Anthony. I have been in a a glass case of emotion when it comes to Illinois basketball since 2005. Sure. Every year that they make the tournament, I'm like, maybe this is the year. And it never is. It's never the year. Now, they're not a number one seed this year. They're, you know, two years ago, we had a number one seed. You lose Kofi last year. You knew it was going to be a different sort of team. It was going to be a different sort of year. But this Arkansas draw is very interesting because when you look at the metrics for both teams, they're actually very comparable on defense. They're in lockstep. Um, You know, with Arkansas's offense, you kind of wonder if Illinois can keep up with them if they have um, Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr., who's been injured. Both of them healthy make this a different team. But looking at their offensive efficiency, very close as well. Now, they do have, as I mentioned, the Razorbacks do Black and Smith that are NBA draft prospects. These are two really, really good players. And when I look at the matchup, Anthony, I think it could go either way, which makes me very nervous. And of course, when they're both seated there, it's going to be a comparable matchup. I'm going to pick Illinois because I'm a homer, <laughs> but I don't like it. I think that's I, fair. I don't like it. Like I always do w- one bracket with my head and my heart. My heart is, of course, picking Illinois. My head bracket, it, I don't know if I want to say that, but it's, it's likely <laughs> going to have Arkansas advancing. Just because I think Smith is going to be a, a really tough player to, um, to contain. Okay. I've got Arkansas winning. I don't blame you. And you know what, Anthony? Every year I pick Illinois and they never win. Maybe if I don't pick them, this is the year that they make a great yeah, run. Maybe, exactly. Maybe they get a, a surprise run here. I, if it Look, if I'm being fair, I, I'm going to tick off both Illinois and Mizzou fans here. I don't like Mizzou in the first round. I've talked about, yeah, they're a fun team. They play some defense. They play some defense is the key. They, they're not a good defensive team. And Utah State, I think, is underseeded and I think Mizzou is overseeded. I didn't see them being a seven seed at all. Maybe a nine, maybe even a, a ten seed, but you know, I think these two teams probably should be flipped. So I got Utah State beating Mizzou. I got Arkansas beating Illinois. Sorry to the local schools. Do you have Mizzou getting out of the first round? I don't. Okay. No. Marsh? I do. I said months ago they're going to the Elite Eight. Wow. And that is where I have them. They're in the Elite Eight in my bracket. Will so, I spend money and bet for Yes. In favor of them? Absolutely not. But in my bracket, they're going to the Elite Eight. So you're not even picking the Tigers. You're picking your take to advance. <laughs> That's right. That's a good way to look <laughs> at it. That is correct. Okay. All right, so which number one seed has the toughest path to the final four? For me, it's Kansas. It's Same. it's not a it's not a matter of do I think they get to the final four? I don't. But we're just talking about the toughest path. I mean, we I think Arkansas, really Arkansas or Illinois can muck things up enough to give Kansas a game. I like UConn in that in that region. Had 
UCLA not not amount amass these injuries of the last couple of weeks. I may have even picked UCLA at one point. I think Gonzaga. I said this yesterday. Gonzaga I had a down year this year. Did they? They did. They weren't number one, number two all year long. But I mean, they they I think they lost to Baylor by one. They they hung a hundred on Alabama at one point. They've got some big wins at at various times in the year. That 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 region is a gauntlet, and I think Kansas. That's the toughest road out of the number one seeds. I'm with you on UConn. I can't believe the seed that they pulled. I mean, they they are big. They are versatile. When you look at their Ken Palm ranking, they should be a much higher seed. They're a sleeping giant in that in that bracket. They had a, they had a rough January, and then they kind of turned things around again. But I I, I like UConn. Uh, Marsh, toughest number one, toughest road for a number one seed. I, I like I like what you said with Kansas. You know, you look at a lot of those teams in that in that uh, side of the bracket in the West. Uh, they, they, they're going to have some tough matchups, whoever they run into. Uh, Purdue is another team that I look at. I didn't like how Purdue finished in their, their championship game. They, were, they, they blew a huge lead in that uh, Big Ten championship game. So we'll see how that translates, if they can close out games in, uh, in the big tournament. You mean Purdue? Wow. Anthony. Because they don't get out of the... Second round, a lot. All right. Actually, I don't. I have them losing in the second round to Memphis. To Memphis. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you on that. All right. Who's your double-digit Cinderella to at least make it to the Sweet Sixteen? We don't have to get too crazy here, but give me a double-digit seed that you have at least in the Sweet Sixteen. Well, they've been dancing four straight years. They're the number one three-point shooting team in the country. Give me Colgate. You got the toothpaste getting past Texas? Minty Fresh. Wow. I mean, they are a team that we talked about the three the three point shots. Somebody asked us this yesterday, like who's the seed that, you know, or who's a team that could break your bracket this year? And we talked about the three point shooting teams. That's one of them. Wow, man. 40.9% from three. Number uh, one in the country. Okay, Michelle's got Colgate in the Sweet 16. Marsh, who's your double-digit seed? My double-digit seed is Iona. The Iona Gales. And I have some Gale-on-Gale crime as they take on (laughs) St. Mary's in the round of 32. Wow. I believe both teams are are called the Gales, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Iona and St. Mary's, yes. Yeah. right. little Gale-on-Gale crime. Wow. And I have Iona making their way and losing to Kansas. Now, did you do that because you wanted to see the Gale on Gale crime? Yeah, I did. I have them upsetting UConn, who you said not too long ago you think has a good chance of making it out of that that side of the bracket. I do. Sorry, Anthony, but my Gales are going to take on the Gales. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's my uh, double-digit Cinderella. Okay. My double-digit Cinderella is going to be Drake, who's number 12. Love his music. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, these I'm talking about the Bulldogs. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, no, I not also the... have Drake in the Sweet 16. So Do here's you? Yeah. So I've got Drake beating Miami in that in one of the 12-5 matchups. I also have Kent State beating Indiana. So that would be the matchup in the second round. So I've got one of those teams, but I didn't want to just say, oh, one of those teams, whoever won. So I'll, t- I'll take Drake. They've got a ton of experience. 
I see them beating Miami. I see Kent State beating Indiana. But even if Indiana beats Kent State, I got Drake advancing. So I'm going to take Drake. That's my double digits in Jarrell. Can I give you one one more sure. I got an eye on? Yeah. And maybe it's my Big Ten bias, Penn State. They have been on a hot streak. They won eight of their last ten. Uh, they almost took down Purdue in the Big Ten tournament title game. Sometimes it's getting hot at the right time. I like Keep an that. eye out on Penn State, 10 seed. I do like Penn State, too. I have them beating the Aggies of Texas A&M. But Brad's Longhorns, they're also firing on all cylinders right now, and they would be their second-round opponent. So I be be on the lookout for that round of 32 if it does end up matching up like that because I think that would be one hell of a game. And I, I've got A&M in that first-round matchup. All right, final four real quick. I have UConn. Texas, so your Colgate pick and your and your Penn State picks, guys. I don't like UConn, Texas, Arizona, and Duke. I think Duke's like last second surge here. Like nobody's looking at them. Duke, this is the this is the the run that nobody sees coming with Duke this year. So I got Duke going into the Final Four. Plus, again, Perdon's not gonna. They're not going to get in there. Marquette was the team I considered, the other team I considered in that bracket. But Wow, you are so down region. on Purdue. Oh, yeah. come on. This is this time of year, Michelle. It's Purdue. So that's my final four. It's How about the big, It's the Big Ten. It's, it is the Big Ten, <laughs> It's the Big Ten. We need a big tournament out of the Big Ten. How many years in a row have we been hyping up the Big Ten and they have fallen flat in the at tournament? At least 64. At yeah, least 64. It's, it's been a minute. Okay, well, I have Purdue in the final four, Anthony. Wow. I know. Maybe it's my Big Ten bias. UCLA. I have um, Texas. Let me scroll up here, and I have Alabama. So you have te- so you so Colgate. You just kind of threw out there as like a, an interesting one, but then you got Texas. Texas would play Colgate because you said Colgate earlier that you yes. kind of liked. Well, I have two different brackets here. Okay, so let me pull so up. Maybe one I pulled got, up the wrong. One. So one I told you, you got I have Texas. two. My head and my heart. All right, so one you one you have Colgate making it interesting, and the other one. You took you took Texas. I oh, see yes. what you did there. You hedged, you hedged a little bit. And my other one, I have Houston in the okay. final four. All right, so that would be that would be. So you have Colgate beating them, All right, then you got you got Houston. My bad, I got my That's my wires right. crossed in my brackets. So this is the problem this time of year is we have multiple brackets right. and we kind of can't keep ourselves straight. I understand the head heart thing though with with Illinois. All right, Marsh, what's your final four? My final four coming out of the South is the Alabama Crimson Tide. I have them beating. Mizzou in the Elite Eight, a little rematch <laughs> of that uh, SEC matchup from this past weekend. Uh, in They would be taking on the Duke Blue Devils. I'm with you there, Anthony, coming out of the East to have them beating Marquette in the, uh, in the Elite Eight. Uh, going back up, Texas. I have Texas moving on to the Final Four and UCLA defeating Kansas in the Elite Eight. So two number two seeds, a one and a five Okay, are my Final Four. There you go. This time of year, it's a lot of fun. Again, we'll be at Max in downtown Alton tomorrow. We're going to be broadcasting. It's going to be BK and Ferrario. From two from eleven to two, and then us in the fast lane at two to six. Are we naming our champion? Go ahead. Who do you like? Who do you like? So I have UConn winning it. Have UConn? You do. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kemba Walker. Yep. Coming back. <laughs> so I, I have UCLA. UConn. I like UCLA. I just worry about the injuries. So you have UCLA, So you have UCLA. I got UConn. Marsh? I have the Alabama Crimson Tide defeating the Texas Longhorns. And those Longhorns, they're going to want a revenge for what happened to Colt McCoy over a decade ago, <laughs> and they're not going to get it. They're still harboring that. Yeah. Okay, so you got Bama. I got Bama. There you which go. I don't like picking because I don't like 
that they're good at football and they're also good at basketball. Not a big Bama fan myself. All right, fair enough. But I respect greatness. I like that. All right. Should I, should I just go on record and say I have Illinois just in case? Sure. Yeah, you can. You in can one throw bracket, that I have Illinois. <laughs> Good for you. Thank you. All right, we're uh, we're going to come back. We're going to do a very quick segment on the Cardinals because we've got the gauntlet coming up. Gauntlet trophy on the line again. Ooh. So we'll take a very quick break, very quick segment, and then go to the gauntlet. Next, I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, uh, really quick, we just wanted to talk a little bit about the WBC. So ESPN.com had a story, you know, Team USA, kind of that playoff-level pressure, Michelle, that some of these players are going to be are going to be under right away. And really, the, the WBC has, has been being, you know, it's being played right now. But do you think that pressure will help some of these Cardinals players that are playing in the w, WBC when it comes to the postseason? Or do you not relate the two? Because that's kind of what the ESPN article is based on. You mean, namely, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Well, you know, they're not clutch players. They don't perform in the postseason. Correct. We that was are... from the 314 on yes. any given day. And the 636 and the 618. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And maybe the 573 as well. Maybe. And um, definitely the 618. Correct. For sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. The ill side, lots of hate over there. Um <laughs> I think that iron sharpens iron, and it can only benefit you to be in a pressurized situation. Now, Adam Wainwright and Pete Alonzo in the article, they're talking about how pressure is a privilege, and that's such a good quote because it is. It means that you are blessed enough to be playing at the highest level, and the expectations are so high. Mm -hmm. But you don't mean to tell me that the past two seasons – and the post, the first round of the postseason, or or a postseason playing game, that the pressure isn't e- extremely high. Right. Now I know the collection of talent and representing your country in the World Baseball Classic. It does take on a different wrinkle. And while I think it could be helpful to them overall, just because they're playing in spring, it, it, we aren't easing into spring. They're coming right out of the can and playing against the best talent in the world. I think that will be beneficial for them. I think these two guys already put so much pressure on themselves and have uh, their expectations for themselves are already so high. Yeah. I don't think that shifting or being impacted by the World Baseball Classic in any way. I don't either. And plus, I, if, if, I would imagine, Michelle, it's it's kind of a different feel. You, you've got... You've You've got USA on your chest. It's a it's a pride factor. You take you take that responsibility to heart, but ultimately it, it's different. It, you're, you're also several months removed from playing in the WBC at that point. If you do make the postseason and you're playing in those games, and I just don't think for Major League Baseball players, it's it's the same the same pressure when you're talking about the WBC and winning a World Series or winning a playoff series. I don't. And, yes, Aaron, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, they're, they're going to have to do it at some point. You know, we, we heard this a, a lot. Hey, Peyton Manning, not a Super Bowl. But won a Super Bowl. Well, he's a Super Bowl winner now. I mean, it was, it was obvious from the start. Well, you weren't saying that the amount of times he got you know, bounced in the first round, but he did it. And then it became, well, can he win two? And then he won two. Like, okay, well, all right, proven that. The only way you're going to shut people up is you actually do it. And you get to the postseason, you perform at that level. So hopefully that's the case. 
And by the way, that's the reason both of them came here, was to get the opportunity to play in the postseason and to be able to do that. All right. I said it was going to be a quick segment. I'm a man of my word this time. We've got our gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? 405, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. And unfortunately for us, we welcome back Sean for a third consecutive show as Sean is now going for a gauntlet trophy. How are you, Sean? Doing well, guys. How are you doing? Well, I'm a little nervous because I'm now up for the save. Marshy has usually been the guy that has been in a save spot here, so I'm going to try my best. Sean spanked me yesterday. I didn't get one question right. Listen, sometimes you just have bad performances. Marsh, mm-hmm. you've been great for us recently. Oh, I thanks. have not. Sean, I'm I'm just going to tell you it's likely to be hockey because the the wheel when I'm when I'm doing it loves them loves it some hockey. All right, I'm okay with that as long as it's not football. That's yeah. all I care about. Well, I'm not, Sean. I am not okay <laughs> with that. All right, good luck. I'm going to make my way to the cone of silence. All right, good luck. Thank you. All right, Anthony's on his way to the cone of silence. Are you ready to spin the wheel, Sean? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Marsh, spin that wheel. All right, so, Sean, you said you do not want football. Is there one particular category that you're really hoping for that when it comes down to getting a gauntlet trophy, you have the most confidence in? I still want a random. I still think that it's fun to do that. Well, guess what, Sean? Random is the category for today. And, of course, that's how we started off. You were the one that chose. You you spun the wheel, and random was chosen the other day. We didn't get to do it because questions three and four, well, did not have the questions. So we have random, and we're going to finish how we started. Are you ready for question number one before we go over it? For anyone listening that does not know the rules, we'll ask four questions. Both same questions for you and Anthony. If you ask for the options, you have the opportunity to get one point. If you do not use the options, you can get two points. And if you miss, obviously, you get zero points. You ready for question number one? I am ready. All right, for the gauntlet trophy. Question number one, what is the official dessert of Missouri? Ooh. (laughs) Um should know this but i'm gonna go ahead and take the options options are snickerdoodles donuts or ice cream cone something tells me snickerdoodles would be something that a lot of people in missouri like so we're gonna go snickerdoodles final answer okay sean question number two in rugby how many points is a try worth a try um I'm going to go with, hmm, I'm going to go with two points, final answer. Question number three. Last season in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, Illinois was a four seed that lost to which five seed? Oh, oh good Lord. <laughs> I'm Okay. Um, what was it? Oh, my gosh. It's slipping my mind. Uh, I'm going to take the options. 
Your options are Loyola Chicago, Houston, or Virginia Tech. It was Virginia Tech, final answer. Final question. Who won the MLS Cup last season, defeating the Philadelphia Union and penalty kicks? We're going to go with Atlanta, final answer. All right. Let's bring in Anthony Stalter. He's just crushing phone right now in the cone of silence. He has seen the the wave I just gave him, and now he's entering the studio. He's taking his sweet time. Taking his sweet time. All right. Sean, how do you feel about your performance today in the gauntlet? We'll go 50-50 maybe. You know, I I said I did horrible yesterday, and I actually won. So we'll see. (laughs) Some people feeling 90-10 today. You're feeling 50-50. Anthony, let's see how you do. Are you ready? Am I? Yeah, I don't know. Are you? Depends on the category, I think. Well, Anthony, here's the first question. What is the official dessert no. of Missouri? No! What's the official dessert of Missouri? I got random. Man, it's got to be ice cream, right? What else would you have? Ah, to hell with it. I'm going ice cream. Final answer. Question number two, Anthony. In rugby, how many points is a try worth? Try. How much is how many points is a try worth? Try, I think three, but it's probably spelled differently. Can I have the options? You may. Is it five, six, or seven? I'm so glad I asked. Five, <laughs> six, or seven. Let's go with six, the even number. Final answer. Question number three, Anthony. Last season in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, Illinois was a four seed. That lost to which five seed? Illinois lost last year. Oh, man. This feels like a personal attack. Can't remember a year ago. Can't remember last week. Five seed. I'll have the options here, too. The options are Loyola Chicago... Houston or Virginia Tech? I think Loyola Chicago was the year before, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe it was Houston that beat Illinois last year. Houston, final answer. And finally, Anthony, who won the MLS Cup last season, defeating the Philadelphia Union in penalty kicks? Nobody knows that, Michelle. (laughs) I do. I'm sure you do. You would ace this. I better get those options. Seattle Sounders FC, Los Angeles FC, LAFC, or the New York Red Bulls? Seattle, LA, or New York? Hmm. Let's go with Seattle. Final answer. All right. Whew. Let's go over these questions, gentlemen. We'll start with that with that last one. Question number four. 
who won the MLS Cup last season, defeating the Philadelphia Union in penalty kicks. Sean, you did not use the options. You said Atlanta. After Anthony did use the options, we know that was not one of the options. Anthony, you said Seattle. The answer is? The answer, guys, is LAFC. Ah. So 0-0 after one. Let's go to question number two. In rugby, how many points is a try worth? Right off the bat, Sean, you said two points. Anthony, you used the options and you said six points. The answer is? Five. So five points. Still a good start, Sean. Knotted up. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> at zero. Question number one. What is the official dessert of Missouri? Sean, you used the options. You said snickerdoodles anthony you did not use the options you said ice cream this one could be controversial but the answer is ice cream cone so technically Mm -hmm. anthony you get zero points wow so we're heading to the final question that's a tough one. gauntlet trophy on the line anthony sean Last season in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, Illinois was a four seed that lost to which five seed? Sean, you used the options. You said Virginia Tech. Anthony, you used the options. And you said Houston. Now, we know Sean is an Illini fan. He said that the other day. Yeah, he threw out the ILL to me yesterday. He did. Sean? You have chosen... Poorly. You lose. <laughs> Sorry about that, Sean. The correct answer was Houston. Those Anthony. Cougars. Oh. Wow. oh, and I knew that after he answered it, I was like, you know what? Yeah, it was Houston. I remember that. Now I did. Like, great. You had <laughs> you you scrubbed it for in defense of you. You'd scrubbed it out of your mind. Totally, Sean. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that and the uh, Loyola Chicago one the year before that, too. I yes. I, I like... still have a bone to pick with Sister Jean. That, wow. Whoa, Michelle. Just saying, I do. Wow. <laughs> uh, Sean, total luck on that one. I'm uh, disgusted with my performance. Uh, neither of us earned this today. Unfortunately, I, I deserved it just a little tiny bit more than you for knowing that one question. So... No, it was great. It was a, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really do appreciate it. It's just been it's just been a blast. And uh, by the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers ninety ten. He's zero one hundred for me because I'm a Bears fan. So he can go to New York as quick as possible. We're all hoping for maybe a snapped femur at some point, right? Oh Sean? no! Oh. What? Don't go full Italian on him. What? Come on! I didn't say who. Injury. I didn't say who. I just said a snapped femur. Could you be for anybody. Into it. Could be anybody. Could have been somebody in jail that I was talking about. Were you talking about Stan Kroenke? Yeah. Maybe. You guys, (laughs) yesterday, it was a totally different conversation. We had the Grim Reaper knocking on their door yesterday. That's true. Snap femur, now everybody's upset? (laughs) Come on. Fair. Fair point. Sean, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. You got it, guys. Great show. Take care. Thank Thanks, you. Sean. Appreciate it. Uh, Guys, is the the, um, ice cream cone a nod to the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair? Why wouldn't it be candy uh, or not? Not uh, cotton candy. 
No, because did wasn't it, it didn't invented they invent it here? No, I think the ice cream cone was invented at the World's Fair in St. Louis. Wasn't cotton candy also? Oh, they they called it fairy floss. I think was the oh shout out to fairy floss. I think Why did we change the name? Floss. That's way better. I don't know. I don't but know. I I think I remember it being like oh it was a really hot St. Louis day and they ran out of stuff to put the ice cream in so they threw it in a waffle and it became the ice Ooh, cream the cone. Waffle cone. Yeah, I think that that was invented at the World's Fair. No? Hey, my, well, look, I, clear, I got one point on this random trivia. You're, <laughs> I don't we'll know go why with, I'm asking we'll you. We'll go with you. Well, yeah. A lot of people are Let saying. Let me Google it. Let me ask Google. Stand by. A lot of people are saying here on the text line that they would have given you ice cream. Well, thank no, you. No, no. The, the cone is totally different. I, I agree. It's the vessel that holds the ice cream. Mm-hmm, it's the vessel. They're two totally different things. You can but eat ice cream in a bowl. You can eat it in a cup. But we're not going to, like, it, it, we're not going to accept that. It's it's the cone. Like, no, that's not the state dessert is the cone. you got to have the ice cream. Ice cream cone. in a cone. Yeah. Now, maybe it should have said ice cream in a cone instead of ice cream cone because some people will be like, oh, I'm not just eating the cone. No, who's going to have that as their yeah. dessert of choice? Right, but state I could dessert. I could put steak in an ice cream cone and it's still the cone. You know what I'm saying? I guess if you go, hey, I want to go get an ice cream cone, you know that the ice cream is is going inside the cone. It's just the name of the ice cream. You could put whatever you want in the cone, though, and the cone remains the same. I don't like it. You could put chicken in it. That sounds pretty good. Chicken and waffles. Oh, yeah. Get a little honey drizzle in there. What's up? I'm hungry. By the way, confirm, 1904 World's Fair ice cream cone, the origin. Okay, well, there it goes. It's got a little backstory. Michelle, you would have gotten six points. Probably, unless you would have known well, L.A. and Houston. So you'd have four. I imagine with the maybe with the options, you get to five with the ice cream cone. Yeah, maybe. I, I had no idea on the rugby one, though. I didn't either. Zero. Zero percent zero chance I got zero. that right. Hey, maybe on the save. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah way to go, Anthony. Good work. I did Perez type. I did feel right really good about the Houston one. So when you got to that and you said he said Virginia Tech, I felt good about it. Other than that, there's mm-hmm. nothing that makes me feel dumber than participating in the random portion of mm-hmm. the gauntlet. So, well, Anthony, you tried. I did. You I didn't did. get five points, but I eh, won it. You tried. One did it today, so that helps. All right. We're going to play uh, What the Blank, the Janet-inspired Michelle segment next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What the sh? What's going on? That's just stupid. Are you okay? What the hell? What the hell happened? Surprise, surprise. I don't believe what I just saw. All right, the Janet inspired What the with Michelle Smallman. What do you got for us, Michelle? I love when Janet says surprise, surprise, (laughs) and surprise, surprise indeed, because Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show today, and a lot of times Rodgers goes on McAfee, and he gives nuggets, but a lot of times he says a lot without saying what we want him to say, but Mm -hmm. today he openly declared, I intend to play for the New York Jets, so that's the headline of the Aaron Rodgers visit with the Pat McAfee show today. But he had another interesting little jab in there, guys, that made me say, what the blank? Here's what he said. Ask Schefter what I text him when he somehow got my number. I didn't respond to Diana Rossini, I think her name is. But, like, I would say the same thing that I told Schefter. Lose my number. 
Well, Adam Schefter was very quick to respond to this. He tweets out, guys, confirming Aaron Rodgers' report. And it's a screenshot of a text from Aaron. And it says, lose my number. Good try, though. I love that response because he's he's obviously trying to one-up Schefter, take a dig, and this, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want that he doesn't want anything to like come out or Schefter to be the one to report it, which I I respect. But then Schefter just says, "Yep, I can confirm it." In the ultimate snark move, which is not I mean, you know Adam Schefter. It's typically not his thing. Hey, he'll play no. it straight, and if somebody, you know, takes some digs at him, he'll just keep the feet moving. He's got a lot of things to do. But for him to, to tweet out, I can confirm that Aaron Rodgers told me to, to lose his number, I think he uh, Schefter got the ultimate one-up on that. I agree. I thought it was played perfectly by Shefty. And, guys, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but the, the most surprising thing to me out of this was it was clearly a screenshot from Adam Schefter's phone. He only had four unread text messages, and he had a full battery on his phone. I don't know about you. I just assumed that that Schefter's battery would always be teetering <laughs> like right on the line of green and red and that he he would have like a thousand unread text messages. Yeah. See, I wouldn't I would I, I would assume that he'd he'd kind of keep the text messages clean because he's always on the phone and he's always got to stay on top of the breaking news. So that doesn't surprise me. The battery though, that's a good call. Unless he's got that thing plugged in all the time. What the sh- Well, speaking of ESPN, NFL insiders and analysts, let's talk about Dan Orlovsky. This man is not afraid of a take. Dan Orlovsky will give you a take, but his most controversial takes sometimes aren't even about sports. He gets a lot of heat for his food preferences, his food takes, and this one is getting people talking too, guys. So Dan Orlovsky was talking about showering and towels and he he posted this on twitter question is how many times do you use a towel post shower till you throw it in the laundry i'm 30 times or so till it goes in and and i'm wondering do you guys think that that's too many times absolutely is is this how how you guys are using your towels i thought 30 times before you wash it is outrageous so essentially once a month he's washing the towels are you serious Right? That's a lot of bacteria, I imagine, building up on those towels. I, I pro- at most a week, I'm usually about three showers or so, and then I'll start to kind of cycle out. But 30 days? Most a week for me. Which is probably a lot. It's probably too much anyways, but... Yeah, I have... I kind of cycled them out, I would say, every, every one or two showers. You know, really? you got you. Well, you when you do the laundry, you do all of the towels usually at once, and then you have a fresh stack, right? Right. So you just kind of trade them in. And I'm also one of those people that does their sheets all the time. I love fresh sheets. Yeah, that so is a great feeling. I'm not afraid to wash a sheet or a towel, but 30 times, I was like, I need to check in with the boys here. I'm like, is this what boys are doing? Just leaving towels around for I'm, 30 uses? I'm That's sure. a long time, not cleaning that thing. Okay, so Marsh. <laughs> yeah, Marsh is the single dude on the show here so yeah. i'm married three kids a lot you know there's a lot going on in the stalter household so me not doing the towel laundry a lot eh. but for you marsh you really have no reason to so what's the average for you honestly this is a question that i never thought i would answer because i really don't think about it by any means so i don't i couldn't put like a number of days or anything, but Rough like estimate. one. 
I don't know, I'd probably go like a week and a half or so. Like okay. once that thing starts to smell a little bit, like that first whiff, you're like, mm, this doesn't smell clean anymore. Right. Then it's got to go. Like it's got to go. But if you're still smelling good, you know, yeah, whatever. Like I'll, I'll let it ride for a little bit, but yeah. you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not waiting 30 days though. That's no. insane. No, we can all agree that that's that's two weeks is even is even a lot. So, you know, once I have the the dirty towel, I'll use it for other things. You know, kind of if I spill something on the ground, clean it up, whatever, and then throw it in the laundry and clean it. Yeah, 30 days is insane. All right, we got to get to Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider, Craig Berube tonight will coach his 100th game. We'll get JR's observations about Craig Berube and uh, other Blues storylines next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Time to chat with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter, and JR joins us right now via the Brown and Kruben Celebrity Line. What's up, JR? Not too much, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing great, and I'm sure Craig Berube, while uh, the season has not gone the way that he envisioned and a lot of us envisioned, uh, what, a, what an accomplishment that Craig Berube is about to make here. He's going to be just the sixth person in NHL history to play in 1,000 or more games and coach in at least 500. Uh, quite the accomplishment for Chief. It really is a, an accomplishment. Uh, I wrote a story back in uh, 2021 when he got to 200 victories behind the bench at that point he was the seventh in history to play 1000 and win 200 games now tonight he gets to game number 500 and you guys know covering a lot of different sports how difficult this is a lot of times the best athletes the best players aren't the best coaches we've seen that over the years but uh, Craig Bruby has been able to adapt and I think that was the biggest thing I took out of his press conference today uh, Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch asked him about his ability to last this long as a coach and he said hey look going back to my playing days in order to stay in the league I had to change I had to watch little things I had to learn every single day and I think that's what helped me adapt as a coach too so quite an accomplishment good for Craig Bruby 1,000 plus games 500th coaching game tonight behind the bench. Jaron, speaking to players and members of the organization what is it about those adjustments and adaptations that Bruby has made that's allowed him to be such a successful NHL head coach? Yeah, Michelle, I think it's, uh, first of all, we've been talking about it for years, ever since he took over in 2019. Number one is the communication. You know, oftentimes at practice, you'll see Craig Bruby skating around with a player, talking to him. Uh, if a guy is scratched, he's the, one of the guys who will come up and talk to the player about what they need to see from him. I remember sitting down with Robert Thomas at his stall a couple of years ago, you know, hey, what's Craig Bruby telling you? And he'd say, it's great. You know, he just comes up and tells me what he needs from me. Uh, you go back to that game in L.A. a week or so ago, uh, we found out that Craig Bruby went up to Robert Thomas before the game and said, here's what you need to do to be able to play against Anze Kobitar. And he went out and had a great game. And then I think the other thing is the positive reinforcement. You talk to Robert Thomas about playing a good game, and then you congratulate him, tell him good job afterwards. I think that's where most of his success has been. But then kind of you talk about those hunches, those changes, you know, in-game things that he does. He would probably tell you he's not the strongest X's and O's guys, but he goes with his gut. 
He knows what works, and he's had a lot of success with it. What do you think, Jr.? And I'm asking you to almost step inside the mind of of Craig Berube here, but you, you follow the team uh, closely. You're aware of Craig Berube's line of thinking. What do you think will be the thing that that Chief looks back on with this this year and says, "This is the area that my coaching staff can improve upon the most heading into next season." Yeah, I think probably uh, early on with that uh, lengthy losing streak, what did it get to eight, eight games? Gosh, it seems like there's been a lot of losing streaks this year. And, you know, just trying to get on top of that sooner. You win those first three games, and we all remember those first three games. I know it's way, way too early, uh, but they were pretty impressive. And it looked like the Blues team that you thought you were going to see throughout the year. You know, then you lose a couple in a row, you lose five in a row, and then it gets up to seven or eight. And you just can't lose that many games uh, in the early on in the year, because you're going to put yourself behind, which we saw, and, and they've been able unable to catch up. So, you know, whatever it takes to kind of nip that in the bud, it could be the roster. It could be, you know, you're missing a player who would help you there, like a David Perron. It could be a, a an assistant coach like a Jim Montgomery. So, there's a lot of things that went into why this season didn't work, Anthony. But uh, the one thing that Craig Ruby did tell me last week when I talked to him in Arizona, can't have those lengthy losing streaks. JR, I just pulled up your Twitter feed, and you tweeted this. I don't know that I've ever tweeted this before, but here we go. The 2023 NHL Draft Lottery, May 8th, 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. What are the Blues' chances in the draft, JR? We're, we're already talking draft. <laughs> yeah, first of all, it's funny because uh, I guess I've been covering the Blues, what, 17, 18 years? I guess you can go back to uh, 2006 when they did have the number one overall pick and, and took Eric Johnson. But it's been a long time, Michelle. It seems like every time in the past 10 years or so I got that email from the league telling me when the draft lottery was, it was like, who cares? It doesn't involve the Blues. They're in the playoffs. And when I got that email today from the league, I looked at it a second, and I was like, wait a minute, people might want to know about this. I guess I better tell them. So it's like, uh, yeah, I've never dealt with the draft lottery in a long time. And so it's going to be uh, May 8th, so that's coming up uh, after the regular season, and the Blues will find out uh, where they draft in the first round. Now, keep in mind, they have three first-round picks. We're talking about their pick, which could potentially be a top-ten pick. They also have two other ones that they got in the Tarasenko and O'Reilly deals. Those are late first-rounders probably. That's determined on where those teams finish in the regular season, in the playoffs. So I think that uh, you look at the Blues, they potentially got a top-ten pick. And right now, with their record, they sit tied for the eighth fewest points in the league. They got about a 5 or 6% chance of jumping up to number one. Now, also, there's a lot of talk about jumping up to number one, and that seems pretty slim, 5 or 6%. But you can also jump up to number two. Those two spots are up for grabs. So it's not a great percentage, but you know, if you're a Blues fan, and Michelle, I've heard from a lot of them here lately that don't mind these losses because it gets the Blues a higher percentage chance at that number one pick. It is unfortunate, but it's a, it is the unfortunate reality that's what you're kind of rooting for the team not to do well at this point. So then, of course, you get the the higher pick. Uh, Jr. I know that this situation is ongoing, and you might not have all the answers, but a lot of people are wondering how Blues fans Blues fans are wondering how they're going to be able to watch their team with the news coming out last night that that Bally Sports and their parent company are filing for bankruptcy. So what do you know and what can you tell uh, our listeners and Blues fans about where they can watch the coverage uh, now and in the future? Yeah, I, I just uh, actually got done reading the piece at The Athletic written by uh, Mike Russo. 
And uh, he was able to, I guess, maybe in a, in a group of reporters, talk to uh, Gary Bettman. And Gary Bettman said that uh, it is an issue uh, in terms of the regional coverage of a lot of local teams. I think it's 14 teams, including the Blues, that this encompasses. But Gary Bettman's message to everyone was that these games will be covered through the end of the regular season. And obviously that's not much uh, time. You know, you're just talking about a 15 or 20 games for most teams. And then we know once it gets into the playoffs that the uh, national stage and the national coverage kicks in. So uh, this will be something that the league is going to have to address with, uh, with the TV regional coverage filing bankruptcy and uh, the future potential of not being able to see the, the games on valleys like we do here in, uh, in St. Louis with the great John Kelly and Darren Pang. Uh, but something will have to be resolved in the future as they try to navigate what is really a difficult future in terms of how are we going to get our games? How are we going to digest uh, sports coverage in the future? Will it be this regional coverage? Will it be streaming? That's what the league is uh, kind of tackling right now. But no worries right now in terms of the blues through the end of the regular season as to where it'll be. It'll be on Bally's. JR, great stuff. Appreciate the blues coverage at the athletic and for you coming on today. Yep. Thanks. Talk to you guys. All right. That's Jeremy Rutherford at JP Rutherford on Twitter. That's where you can follow him. Of course, subscribe to the athletic. That's where you're going to get uh, all the reaction to the, to the blues and not to mention some draft talk. And you're right, Michelle. I mean, this gets a little bit more interesting now for the blues with the draft coming up. Indeed it does. And to JR's point, when's the last time that we were focused on the draft lottery? <laughs> Fortunately, not. it's been a while, so <laughs> that's good. It has been a minute. No kidding. That's Michelle Smallman. She's filling in for Jamie Rivers today. I'm Anthony, St- Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. we get our sports six-pack coming up. So you got a question for us? Fantastic. Send it in to the Air Comfort Service text line, and uh, we'll, we'll answer it next. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Time for the Sports Six Pack. Question number one. All right, from the 314, do you think the Blues trade all three picks for the first overall if we don't get the first? Wow. I mm, I mean, it depends. It depends on if, if who, who they like at the, their selection. Yeah, it depends on their big board. Right. I mean, Jamie, Jamie's kind of talked about Bedard a little bit more after watching him, and he, he thinks that he's a, he's a bit undersized. And it might be a player that, yeah, a ton of skill, but once he gets he gets up against the adults, so to speak, that his game might not may not translate. And he likes uh, the other player, Marsh. The was it the Michigan player? Yeah, Adam Fantilli. So maybe it's a situation where the Blues fall in love with one of those guys, and they don't have to necessarily go up to number one to to get him. I mean, it's an interesting thought. But if you're looking at the far, like kind of what you have in the minors right now and projecting a little bit, if you feel good with those, that kind of that next wave, and that next wave is already kind of here with like Jake Neighbors, but when mm-hmm. Scott Perunovich is healthy, Scott Perunovich, if you're okay with that next wave, then why not 
package up some picks and go up. It's an interesting thought. I personally, I don't think whoever does get the first or second overall pick will trade it. Will even trade it. I think they would rather have those two. I'll just, for the sake of the conversation, I'll call them generational type players. Mm-hmm. Since people want to throw that word out there, right? Connor Bedard, you know, oh, the next Connor McDavid or whatever. And this Adam Fantilli, if he's anything, you know, like a lot of the players that come out of Michigan. He'll be pretty good. So, um, yeah, I don't see whoever gets those first two picks even trading for three picks because, you know, those are going to be lower first-round picks. And, you know, it, it's a— Could change your franchise. It, it could. Right. A one player could change your franchise. So I, I, don't even, I don't even see that happening. Question number two. Uh, we talked earlier about the Diamond Sports Group filing for bankruptcy, of course, out of, you know, Bally Sports and whatnot. And from the 314, is Brad Thompson affected by the Bally Sports mess? So, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he is. He is affected by it to what level? I don't know. But look, ultimately, they're going to still show games. Yeah, they're still going to show games. They're still going to show games on Bally Sports Midwest for the time being. If somebody purchases that group or the Cardinals decide to go and do the the Yes Network thing or MLB.com steps in and says, all right, we're going to put these games on MLB TV for at a subscription service, you're still going to have games. You're still going to have Chip Kelly and Brad Thompson working. So, yeah, I'm sure he will be he will be impacted. I'm sure he already has been impacted to, to some degree. It's it's nerve wracking, I'm sure. But I'm sure Brad's just going to be just he, he, Brad's going to be fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure everybody who works for Bally, if this happens the, the way we're projecting it to be, will be impacted at some point. But I imagine whoever decides to broadcast Cardinal Baseball is going to want Brad Thompson in that booth. <laughs> so Absolutely. I think uh, whoever signing his checks might change, but I think hopefully he'll, he'll be uh, just fine. And the Cardinals do have a say. You know, the Cardinals, yeah. gotta, the Cardinals have to approve. It was the Cardinals that went out and hired Chip Kelly. The Cardinals have to say, hey, we're okay with Brad Thompson getting X amount of games. And the Cardinals, and rightfully so, are huge fans of, of BT, who's a mega talent here. And I think, again, he's going to be he's going to be just fine. Question number three. From the 314, Anthony. Yes, sir. The Falcons have signed some players. Yeah. <laughs> they have draft picks. They're loaded. I see a playoff team. Yes. Do Thank you. you. Yes, of course. Thank you for texting that in. Finally, somebody realizes that when you bring back two of your top offensive linemen. Wait, is that your phone number? Don't look at it. Don't look at it too closely. Okay. It's uh, it's not 314, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's me. Yep, I texted it in. That's <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. Uh-huh. You finally read it. What have you been texting in? Wow, you, found, you, finally, you finally read it. That's interesting. Wow. In all seriousness, the Falcons had a lot of cap space, just like the Bears. The Bears had a lot of cap space. They were going to use it. They also are a team that has been hell-bent on not getting back into cap cap issues like they have been. And uh, I think that thus far, they've had a really good offseason. They needed they need to completely redo the defense. They signed Jesse Bates, and they signed a couple players from New Orleans because they hired uh, the defensive assistant defensive coach as their new D.C. So you got some Saints players in there. But it all depends on what Ritter does in his next step. Because Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter. I know they signed Heineke. 
Heineke gets starts if Desmond Ritter doesn't take that that next step. And I don't think Desmond Ritter's like the long-term future. I think they'll have a, they'll have an eye on next year's draft. But that was a team that was incredibly competitive with Marcus Mariota last year. Mariota won good. They're they can run the ball. Their defense is improving. Playing a bad division. Yeah, I could see them maybe as a wild card team next year. If not a Super Bowl contender. Oh, whoa. Marsh, thanks for saying that. <laughs> oh, boy. Question number four. All right. We've been talking about Aaron Rodgers a little bit today. Some people don't like him. Some people don't even want to hear about him. From the 636, is there anyone equivalent to Aaron Rodgers in the four major sports leagues as far as ego and athletic ability slash performance goes? Ooh, good question. That's a great question. Um... Ego and the ability, because obviously he's got the ability. And people are going to bring up LeBron, but I don't think LeBron's got the same ego as as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Michelle, you feel free to correct mm. me. He might be the closest. You know who I first thought of was Kyrie, but... Uh, because they're both philosophical. Yeah, and they're both <laughs> controversial, and they both think they're smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um... That's a good yeah, one. That yeah. is a really good one. I wouldn't I wouldn't put LeBron in the same category. I know some people would, but I personally wouldn't. I think the things that annoy people about LeBron is like the Taco Tuesday, you know, and, and things <laughs> And like, the decision. And the decision. But my well, word, it's been a while. Come on, he went back. He he, he Yeah, he won there. The confetti has fallen in Cleveland. <laughs> I think he's atoned for the decision. He at, won at with Kyrie. He won with I Kyrie. I mean, come on. His, his greatest accomplishment thus far is going back to Cleveland. And dragging the corpses that he played with and still winning with Kyrie. But yeah. I think he'd be the closest. I, I would put Kyrie up there because, I mean, he's not the number one, even though he tried to be and wanted to be. He's not like the number one guy on the team like Aaron Rodgers is. Um, which LeBron certainly is. But I think as far as, like, he's constantly making headlines and everyone's annoyed with him all the time. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw a headline about Kyrie and you weren't annoyed? You're always annoyed. Totally. And I don't think there's a baseball player out there like that right now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who... He, uh, I'm glad, personally, he's kind of irrelevant right now. But somebody that was in that same vein, not as popular, but it's Trevor Bauer. Oh yeah. Like push push the the off off field stuff to the side. He was somebody smartest guy in the room, arrogant, incredibly talented. Ticked off his teammate, you know, ticked off Garrett Cole famously at at UCLA. Those those two guys were studs at UCLA, did not get along. Two guys that were ultra, you know, when it, when it comes to personalities, they were light years apart. Cleveland, he ruffled some, you know, Trevor Bauer ruffled some feathers, gets out to L.A., you know, he's, some people love him, some people think that he's a turd. I'm in the latter category. Bauer's a power, it would be Bauer for me. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else in baseball. The problem is is that we don't have exposure to all of the athletes in baseball and the manner in which we do the NFL and the NBA. But like Bryce Harper, when he, when he was up for a contract, he was quick about it. You know, it's the Phillies. Yeah, and he's he's not um, as arrogant no. as as these the other guys we're talking about. There's no Yankees. I'm Aaron the, Judge is incredibly likable. Oh, he's the best. Some people are saying Pete Alonzo, big strong guy. <laughs> 
He's annoying, but he's not. He, he is annoying. I don't see him as but, the smartest guy in the room annoying. I see him as no, the se- yeah. ultra self-conscious like conscious person. For sure. And he's not on the same level as an Aaron Rodgers. No. No, but that's... Uh, he did cross my mind. I admit he did cross my mind. Wow, wow. He just seemed... He's very sensitive, I feel like. We have... A Mr. Unlimited from the 314. He's just a dork, though. No, but that's a a good one. Anytime he does a presser, I'm like, what is this guy going to say that's going to annoy me today? Let's ride. (laughs) Uh, I was doing high knees in the aisles. You know, just like, come. Everything is so manufactured with him. It drives me. He's not the smartest guy in the room, but everything is so manufactured. Yeah. I'm like, who are you really? Like, without the script... Without this image, who are you as a dude? He, I have no idea. He got some bad advice along the way. I don't know who I don't know who gave him the bad advice, but he got some bad advice along the way. Somebody said to him, "You should be a superstar in this league, and you could do this and brand yourself." And and he, you know, some people just kind of have the knack for it. Yeah, where they fall into it. You're right. He scripts everything out. But the problem with that is, is that he would have been a superstar just by his play. Right, just He play. didn't have to be this guy. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. But Mr. Unlimited, certainly on the list for me. One more from the text line, and I couldn't agree more. From the 314, Draymond Green. Draymond's a really good player. He's just not, I just don't put him in that, that great category. Like Aaron Rodgers is much, is much as I despise the guy that's fair for who like how he acts and stuff he's mm-hmm. a tremendous player I feel like Draymond's ego is pretty big though it but is he's, but he's, he's like back the instigator too, though, though. Yeah. you know what yeah. I mean he's not he's not a diva he's trying to get under your skin uh, totally yeah. he yeah. plays the villain role more or less yeah he's the total he's the heel yeah and he's one of the few in the NBA so I kind of respect him for it like Dylan Brooks is trying to be the heel but Draymond is currently the only heel all right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Somebody posted uh, a lineup for the Cardinals, projected lineup. Do we agree with it? Boy, it's already lineup talk time. Oh, yeah. Are we going to do the game? I want to be looking at the the lineup here, the projected oh, lineup. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. We can't give the listeners false hope. Either. No, they know exactly. Yeah, it's okay, not okay, real okay. lineup. Yeah. So I love the sounder. Yeah. You know. Can we just come out a break with it for, yes. for old times' that, sake? Because I love the horn. That's not a problem. We'll do that. It's <laughs> okay. next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, there you go, Michelle. Thank you. The lineup game horn was sound. Now, we don't have a lineup to go over. No, so I'm going to drop this bed down. I like that. Okay. You don't want to confuse anybody. But you hype me up, guys. Thank you for that. That's the key. Absolutely. 507, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So the reason why we fired the lineup game horn is, uh, Michelle, even though we're not going to play the lineup game, we are going to talk about it. And he wanted to hear the uh, the lineup game horn. And really, horn siren. It's appropriate. We're going to talk about the lineup game. you got to fire it once. So, Michelle, MLB.com. Yes. Projected lineups and rotations for every MLB team. Here's what they have for the Cardinals projected lineup. Do we agree with this? So, leading off, they have Brendan Donovan playing second. They got Jordan Walker hitting second. 
playing left field. Mm -hmm. Paul Goldschmidt, third, playing first. Nolan Arnauto is your cleanup hitter and playing third. Wilson Contreras behind the dish, hitting fifth. Nolan Gorman, your DH, hitting sixth. Tyler O'Neill in center field, batting seventh. Lars Nupar in right, batting eighth. And Tommy Edmond is your shortstop, batting ninth. There is one big change that I would make. But, Michelle, I want to I want to go to you first. We might be making the same change because I don't think that Jordan Walker will be starting in left field oh. come opening day. Oh, okay. So you th- DH then? Yes, I have him penciled in as my DH. Do you have him hitting second? I do not. I have Dylan Carlson hitting okay. second. All I right. like Carlson in the two-hole. See, I, I thought you were going to go with uh, – Jordan Walker hitting second but not playing left and that that's why that's why I had that reaction. I don't have him hitting second either, but so you have DC there. Yes, I am I am trying to think about this from the Cardinals perspective and I think that they are going to roll out the outfield of Newt, DC and Bro Neal to start the season because they're going to want to give those guys a runway to see what they can do. And Walker hitting and, and Walker is your DH. And I have Walker DH. as my DH. Ah oh, man, that's I like that. Thank you. I like that from the Cardinals' perspective. Me too, because again, if if you can kill two birds with one stone, you can get Jordan Walker his abs, get him up at the major league level, get some seasoning, while also finding out whose spot he's going to take in the outfield. Sure. And what you have from a leverage standpoint, what pieces you have to potentially move and go out and get something else that you might need come deadline time. But Mm. I would set the tone with the fan base. Hey, he's here. He's going to get his at-bats. You're going to see Jordan Walker. But we're going to figure out this outfield. We're going to give these guys their shots, too. I like that. Thank you. You also have the built-in excuse, too, with – with Dylan Carlson and his arm injury, you know, or the arm fatigue, that you just, hey, great spring, but you're not going to play center field with dead arm. Now, I don't know where, where he is in the process right now, like right this instant, and we don't know where he's going to be in a couple of weeks. Opening day is March 30th, and it's March 15th. So maybe Dylan Carlson is just, they, they don't, maybe maybe he's on the IL to maybe, start. Maybe, yes. This is all pending, all of that, obviously. Sure. But I'm just thinking about the fever pitch the fan base will be in if Jordan Walker is your starting left fielder come opening day. And I just think about his maturation and the pressure that's already on him. And if every everybody's healthy, I would have him as the DH. Okay, so I would have Goldie hitting second. Really? Oh, yeah. interesting. To me, Paul Goldschmidt has always been like a great two-hole hitter because – what you want in that spot is somebody that has RBI potential, which we know Goldschmidt does, but is somebody that, that's that got plenty of on-base potential too. Because you either, look, you assume, all right, Brendan Donovan takes a great at-bat, he gets on first, maybe he walks. So you have an opportunity for Goldschmidt, either move him over with a base hit or he gets on base. High OBP in Goldie, he gets on base. Now you got a table setter, and I got Arnauto hitting third. Wow. This projection is Arenado hitting fourth. I don't hate it. I got Contre- Contreras hitting fourth, though. Because I don't want another – I don't – for me, Contre- Contreras makes a lot of sense hitting fifth. I think ultimately he's a, he's an excellent – like an, a great option for five. 
but I don't I don't love the other options for two outside of Goldschmidt or four. O'Neal, I'm not to me O'Neal's gonna bat fifth. Okay. Hmm. I, I'm not moving him up to clean up or third. This is somebody that, you know, two years ago flourished. Last year, I don't know if it was the weight of the arbitration, the fact that he was being, you know, the expectations were high. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have him hitting that eye. I got Contreras fourth. Wow. If I can find if I can find a better two option, and I don't think it's Walker. I got Walker six. If I can, if I can find a better option to hit two, then I'll move everybody down. Goldie three, Arnado four, Contreras five. That's my thoughts. Can I give you my my crazy lineup? Because I have a whole bunch of different wrinkles of this. Okay, there's, wow. there's a lot of things being scratched out on this sheet. I like it. Okay. What about this? Try this on for size. And again, we're just being creative. We're mm-hmm. just throwing some things out there. What about Lars Newbar leading off? Love what he's doing in the WBC. Mm-hmm. A little spark of energy out of Newt. You know, he's he's got that vibe to him. Set the table. Table setter Lars Newbar, okay? DC in the two hole. He's comfortable there. I'm good with that. Goldie three. Arenado four. What about Jordan Walker as your DH hitting fifth? And then Contreras six. What about O'Neal six, Contreras oh. seven? I know. I said it was creative. Mm. I, maybe flip those two. Maybe flip those two. I would flip those two only because Contreras. I think Contreras is consistently a better hitter than O'Neal. And you paid him. You don't want to put him all the way down yeah, the lineup. Yeah, good point. Good point. Okay, so, so I'll, okay, flip, we'll flip, flip those. those two. I'll have Contreras six, O'Neal seven, and then a little power and spark and speed in the eight nine with Donnie Baseball and Tommy Edmond. Okay, almost bookending it there with with those guys. But it's I, kind of that that five six seven where I think you could get a little creative, switch things around. Yeah, for what it's worth, I love Edmund nine. You yeah, get me that too. you get the double lead off. Hundred percent. Edmund's got a lit you know, he's got a little bit of pop, but he's got you know, he's got plenty of on base and double and double I, I think Edmund hitting ninth, I think that's a perfect spot for him. I have Newt leading off. I have Brendan Donovan batting second. Okay. I, like mm, I, OBP, I like that. I like that. Those two guys right there. Goldie, three Arnato. Nolan Arnato <laughs> batting fourth. I have Contreras fifth. I have Tyler O'Neill batting sixth and Jordan Walker batting seventh in left field. I think those two could flip as the season rolls along, but yeah. I like having Walker lower in the lineup. He's a rookie. Let him get his, you know, let him get some some reps. There's not a lot of pressure at the top of the lineup. Plus, if he does produce in the regular season, it lengthens your lineup. Uh, eighth, I have Yepes and Gorman in that DH role, uh, depending on who's pitching. And the matchups there, and then Tommy Edmond batting ninth. So I do not have Dylan Carlson in this lineup. Uh, I don't really know how he fits in if Jordan Walker is producing. Mm-hmm. I guess it really is going to come down to if you're not producing, then you're not playing. Right. Which is a good thing to have if you know if a guy's not hitting well, you have another player right there that can that can jump right in and, and help the ball club. Sure. I don't hate the the Lars Newbar Brandon Donovan one two punch. I don't either. I like it. You got you got some on base there, and if that's the case, you know you can have Lars leading off, Donovan second, and then go to Goldie Arnado Contreras. You know, the, Contreras would be my preferred five, five hitter, mm-hmm. and then I would go Walker and then O'Neill. That's what Walker I would six, like to see. O'Neill seven, but to start, I would put O'Neill there just because. 
all right, we're going to give him some runway. Let's put him sixth and see what he can do. If he does great, then great. Then you keep Walker at seven. And right. like your first seven hitters, that's pretty It's pretty good. Honestly, the, the more we talk about it, guys, that, that would be my preferred lineup. It'd be Lars, Lars leading off. It would be Donovan hitting second. Paul Goldschmidt third. Arnado fourth. Wilson Contreras fifth. Walker sixth. O'Neal seventh, Gorman slash Carlson eight, depending on who's playing the outfield and who's DH in that day, and Tommy Edmund nine. That'd be my preferred lineup. You have Carlson eight. I don't know. I just like him historically in the two hole. That's fine. That's your lineup. Where do you think by the end of the season we're sliding Jordan Walker in the lineup? Third. Third between Goldschmidt and Arenado. That's what I imagine him in a Goldie Arenado sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to Arenado now driving in Paul Goldschmidt. Every time I, I know, watch the I World know. Baseball Classic, Paul Goldschmidt's on second base or he's on first. Nolan Arenado's hitting the ball down the third baseline, and you see Goldie. He's just chugging along the bases, making his way home. Like I want to see that every every day this summer. That make me really happy. Well, to your earlier point, Marsh, you start to break this down and you look at the different, you know, combinations that you could go with and you you feel pretty good. That's where we're at right now with yeah. this Cardinals lineup. It is very exciting. Yeah, imagine in any particular order though, Goldie, Arenado, Walker, Contreras, mm-hmm. O'Neal. If O'Neal's power is there. That's insane. And you can Talk about Ollie's versatility. I mean, you yep. could have some fun with that. And then you got Newbar and, and Donnie that you can move around. Donnie baseball that you can move around. The speed of Edmund. I mean, there's some there's some fun pieces here. Big time. Now, where do you guys have DeYoung? Uh, uh-huh. Left bench. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anthony, we got a question from the two one seven. I was just looking for that that pause from you guys. I, got it. <laughs> I was like, uh, we got a question from the two one seven. Are we too right handed? Is it a right-handed heavy lineup? Yeah, yes. But the the cards do hit lefties really well, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably. But well, how else would you do it? You know? You've got some lefties in there. Mm-hmm. You can kind of break them up. You know, when Gorman's in the lineup, you can kind of yeah. break, break it up with, a, you know, with some lefties, but. That's a, that's something that I, I get why baseball is all about the matchups, right? Everybody's playing the splits. I understand that. But for me, if if you've got hitters, you got hitters. And this is a lineup with, I'll use that dangerous word, potential, but it's got the potential to be one of the best in the National League. That is such a dangerous word. I know, I know. I almost didn't use it. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. The biggest national story of the day just got more interesting. We'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. I know, I know. A lot of people are tired of the the Aaron Rodgers saga. Fair enough. 
Michelle, you and I voiced our displeasure earlier about the Pat McAfee stuff. We'll talk about the what's the latest news is, and then we'll roll into the biggest question of the day. If you got a biggest question of the day for us, and you're tired, I don't want to hear about Rodgers anymore. Okay, great. No problem. Leave us a mic drop about your Cardinals, your Blues, your St. Louis City, your Battle Hawks. Whatever you want. It's up to you. We invite you into our house. Show. Mostly just the show. Don't go yeah. knocking on Michelle's house door. She's not there. Okay. No, you can't get past my doorman anyway. Exactly. If you want to leave us a mic drop, biggest question of the day coming up in about five minutes. This is now, though, Adam Schefter on the latest drama involving Aaron Rodgers, who, and I'm praying for it, may have screwed himself. (laughs) Well, look, we know that he wants to play for the Jets, and he intends to play for the Jets. And we know that the issue now, what's holding this up, is the compensation between the two teams. And each side is going to have its own respective stances. The Jets look at the model that Mike Tannenbaum helped create when he traded for Brett Favre, another great Packers quarterback. That was a conditional fourth-round pick. So you have the Packers wanting to extract maximum conversation. You have the Jets wanting to offer fair but minimal conversation. You have Aaron Rodgers wanting to go to the Jets. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers wants as many new resources for his new team (laughs) as he can get. He doesn't want his former team that drafted his successor to go use the Jets draft capital when he wants it in New Jersey. And so now we have a standoff. Okay, so the last part there was key. Now we have a standoff. So just to kind of... Make 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 sense of what Schefter just said there. The Packers are in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. What Aaron Rodgers did today by going on the Pat McAfee show and saying he's intending to play for the Jets, and now the Jets and the Packers just need to find out the compensation. What 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 Rodgers did was he he put his hopeful new team into a corner because Aaron Rodgers is essentially saying, "Hey Packers, trade me to the Jets." And the Packers, who have already moved on mentally, Jordan loves her guy. They've moved on mentally from Aaron Rodgers. Contractually, maybe not. But they're saying, all right, well, it sounded like you were ready to retire. That's what you said on the Pat McAfee show today. You 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 went into the darkness retreat with the idea of, I'm either going to retire or go back to the Packers. And Rodgers leaned toward 90% retirement, 10% still playing. And then he came out and he heard that the Packers were looking at trade options and then he got upset and then he's like, all right, I'm going to play for the Jets. So the Packers know he's either going to retire or play for the Jets. So the Packers now can go to the Jets. And Michelle, you brought this point up earlier. I went bitter Bob and I said, just trade him for a third round pick (laughs) because I'm, you know, I'm not thinking about it wisely. I'm just saying, well, Aaron Rodgers, that's all you're worth right now. I went the bitter route. But, Michelle, you nailed this earlier when you said that the Packers should hold the Jets hostage. Mm-hmm. He wants to play for you. You're running out of options. Jimmy G went to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, not a great option, but an option, signed with the Bucks today. Taylor Heineke signed with the Falcons yesterday. Andy Dalton signed with the Panthers. Lamar Jackson 
isn't an option for most teams based on reportedly what he wants contract-wise. And you're not in position to draft somebody that's going to make a huge difference. So we want a lot from you now, Jets. Or turn around to your fan base and explain to them why they why they signed Alan Lazard without making the deal for Aaron Rodgers. So that's where we're at. I think what Adam Schefter just outlined, Anthony, is that the Jets are fluid. <laughs> yes, the fast lane ver- version of the flu of fluid. Because you're right. Like I mentioned earlier, if you're if you're the Packers, you already know Jordan loves the guy. You've moved. You know Aaron Rodgers is not coming back, and he has gone on TV and said, "I want to play for the Jets." Now this is a fan base. I'm I'm sitting here in New York right now. Before the show, I was talking to the producer of the Michael K Show. To those guys, they were giving me a little bit of insight into the Jets fan base. We always call the Browns the factory of sadness. The Jets have basically been the factory of sadness for like how many decades now? They were telling me that Jets fans are basically like, we're afraid to get Aaron Rodgers because if it doesn't work out and we put all the chips in, the heartbreak's going to be too bad. They're already anticipating heartbreak here. All right. But you have Aaron Rodgers saying, I want to come play there. And a fan base who has been miserable for a long time and is desperate to be competitive and to potentially win. You have to go out and meet the demands of the Packers. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So whatever it is that they're going to ask for, they're going to sit pretty because they know that they're set at the quarterback position and you are not. Mm -hmm. So you have one of two options. You either meet their demands and give up what I imagine is going to be an absolute haul for Aaron Rodgers, or you turn around to your fan base and say, sorry, I I know he said he loved us. Anyone to come here, we can't do it. And people will go nuts. This is part of the problem, too, with only choosing one option. Let's go back to, and I forget the exact year, so give me give me a second on this. But I'll, I'll relate it to a low. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Time for the biggest question of the day, and it comes from Clayton, which I love. My uh, my grandfather was named Clayton, so oh, appreciate nice. that. My dad's middle name is Clayton, so uh, always always glad to hear from a Clayton. So he's got a question about Donovan, correct, Marsh? Brendan Donovan. All right. Hey guys, how's it going? Question of the day here for you. So I know spring training is just about ready to be wrapped up, and I know we've seen some big time of bats from guys like Jordan Walker, big time of bats from you know guys like Mason Wynn, Moises Gomez, and Brandon Donovan's been showing off the power. Now I know spring training might mean something; it might not. Last year, Paul Goldschmidt had his best spring training. He won MVP. That same last year. Paul DeYoung had a spring training better than Goldie's, and he slumped again. So with that being said, I'm looking at Brendan Donovan and the newfound power that he's got, the new swing he got when he worked with Goldschmidt. Do you guys see him as a potential 30 home run candidate and combined with his on-base percentage and utility, a possible top five MVP candidate? Anyway, love the show. That's what I got for you. Peace. 
Uh, Clayton, thank you, first of all, for the, the compliment. Thank you for the question. Now, Michelle, you compared Brendan Donovan to an MVP winner yesterday, so I imagine that you're pretty high on Donovan. Okay, to be clear, to be crystal, <laughs> I said that he's using the same bat as one Paul Goldschmidt and that there were similarities there. But wh- why not? Why not just uh, let's not stop at the bat, okay? Let's just keep it going. Because remember yesterday when we talked to BT and we were talking about Donovan's power based on what we saw out of him last year, if this was sustainable, what did he say about Brendan Donovan yesterday? He said yes. Yeah, he said he said that Donovan. You had mentioned the article that from John Den of MLB.com that broke down what steps Donovan took in the offseason to you know add that power. BT talked about not hunching over and mm-hmm. getting to a different uh, you know load point and yeah, changing the bats his exactly. So, uh, long story short, yeah, BT thinks it's sustainable. And if so, I don't know if. 30 home runs that's quite a that's jump a for him that's a lot but i do think we could be talking about him being a sneaky cardinals mvp candidate maybe not nationally okay MVP, i was supposed to say cardinals mvp but, or? no no right. but like one of those guys that is a huge x factor for the team sure but i think 30 might be a little high i'd split that in half the number yeah. the number that i thought yesterday because he only had two last year uh, i have it right here let me pull up his stats last year he had five Oh, he had five last year. Five. Not, I mean, it's only three more home runs than I said, but I thought he was. I thought he was definitely under five. Okay, so you're wrong, had, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> you're wrong on this one, no, Anthony. No, he's he's hit what four so far in spring training? Is that right? Yeah, he's hit four in spring training, five last year in the 2022 regular season. Okay. In how many at bats? Hold on, keep going while I click over. <laughs> the the number the number I had was 15, and I thought that might have been a little optimistic too. Could he double that this season? Double what he had a year ago? Absolutely. It was 126 games, 391 ABs. Okay. He had five home runs. I think he. I think he definitely doubles it. I think he doubles it too. If I set the number at 12 and a half, you taking the over or the under? Oh God, that's a good number. Like at if, what, at if what, point, what we're seeing is is real, if this adjustment, the way he's distributing his weight, the new bat, if this really unlocks something with him, I'm going over. Okay. And he gets the ABs. I'm going over. All right. So I'm gonna set I'm gonna set a proper line on this. Okay. okay. You got Marsh, Michelle. You both play. We'll do this real quick. So nine and a half over under. Over. Yeah. Over over. So we're talking about home runs for Brendan Donovan. Oh, uh, Marsh over nine and a half. Yeah, I think he gets 13 this year. Well, hold on. So, uh, 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 let's, not jump, let's not jump the gun here, man. I'm sorry. All right. 10 and a half. Yeah. Over. Over. 11 and a half. Over. Over. 12 and a half. Over. Over. 13 and a half. Over. Under. Okay. 13 and a half is a number. 13 and a half is the, is the number then. I'm going to give him 15. You're going to give him 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. I got... believe in old Donnie baseball. Okay. We got optimistic Michelle. Yeah, I mean, come on, classic. You know me. I'm always gonna be like, yay, everyone. Twenty. You know what? Now that I think about it, thirty home runs is doable. Give him the three hole for our Cardinal. (laughs) All right, I think he. I think he lands somewhere between ten and fifteen. I think thirteen. Thirteen and a half is a perfect number. I'll still take the under on that though. So I'm with Marsh. Michelle's got him hitting (laughs) fifty-two.
<laughs> Aaron <Wow>. Judge who? <laughs> Give her enough time, enough show. She'll have Brendan Donovan, Hall of Famer, 52 home runs next Man, season. He could have a 2018 Matt Carpenter type season. You mm. never know, you know? That was the other thing I think BT highlighted. A lot of doubles for Donovan. Yeah, he and did. Matt Carpenter was the absolute to me. My version of Matt Carpenter, a doubles machine. Uh, Forget after he took Kershaw deep in the postseason. I'm a, you know, I'm a power guy now, and he was for a little bit. Matt, my Matt Carpenter, my version of Matt Carpenter, doubles machine. That was I thought when he was at his absolute best. That reminds me of the uh, 2014, I believe, it was the NLDS game one when the Cards came back against Clayton Kershaw. It was sort of a repeat of what happened in 2013, and mm-hmm. he hit a deep double that cleared the bases. I believe it was a bases-loaded clearing double, and that is like what I remember of Matt Carpenter. Sure. Him doing that all the time. Was it the 2013 season when they racked up all those doubles as a team? I think Matt Carpenter finished with 682 doubles that year. Don't check the math. I think it's right. I think it is, too. Yeah. 682. Yeah, no, Marsh, like I said, don't don't double, you know. All right. Don't overthink it. (laughs) What you miss, criticisms, compliments, next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey, don't forget, tomorrow we are at uh, Max in downtown Alton. BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, us in the fast lane 2 to 6. You can come jo- join us. Delicious food, coldest beer, plenty of screens to watch first-round action of the NCAA tournament. Plus, we're going to have your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Metallica at the Dome on Sunday. What? That's right, Sunday, November 5th. BK and Ferrario and us, the fast lane, Max in downtown Alton the next two days. So there you have it. You big Metallica fan, Michelle? Enter Sandman, baby. You there know you it. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> you got, I know you got the Black Album. It's literally home. the only Metallica song I know is Enter Sandman, and it's, it's, it's from Rivera. <laughs> it's a good one. And don't forget, too, that you can still sign up for our Madness Bracket Challenge. It's at 101ESPN.com. Completely free to play. So head to 101ESPN.com. You can register there, sign up. We've got prizes uh, for those that finish first. So if you want to kind of test your Bracket Madness Challenge, you can. Uh, we've got that $250 Fanatics gift card and a 101 ESPN prize pack. It's all brought to you by Neutral and Twin Peaks. If you missed the podcast or you missed our show, download the podcast, 101ESPN.com, or your 101 ESPN, ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs, uh, Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And, too, while you're downloading podcasts... That's right, Anthony. You better be downloading the newest episode of Soccer 101 featuring myself and Moon Valjean from the Rizzuto Show. Great episode that we just dropped today. City off to the hottest 3-0 start. But more importantly, we have a great interview with City forward Nico Giacchini. And... Anthony, you would love him. Paisan, he's half Italian, <laughs> half Jamaican. I love it. But if you've watched the games, he's one of the players that has emerged as a difference maker out on the pitch. And let me tell you, he I don't want to make this comp. No, I'm not I'm just gonna say it this way. When I interviewed Jordan Walker, I turned to Randy and I go, that kid is a star. And yes, he was a highly touted prospect, and I'm just putting all that aside. 
But the first time I spoke to Jordan Walker, he was composed, he was mature, he gave, he gave great answers, he was confident in himself. That's how I felt when I spoke to Nico today. This kid is wise beyond his years. He is a very impressive young player, and I suggest anyone that's excited by City and the start that they're on, they download this and they listen to what Nico has to say about the team. Awesome. I've been so impressed with with, with all of the City players. They're great. They give in-depth comments. They don't shortchange you. They've been they've been great, and your podcast has been great with Moon. So definitely check that out. Uh, looking forward to the interview. All right, Marsh. Criticisms, compliments. Yeah, let's start with the six three six. This was around the same time we were talking about Diamond Sports, aka Bally, you know Bally Sports, uh, going into bankruptcy, whatever. Uh, from the six three six, can someone over there tell Anthony to get it together? I'm pretty sure this whole Bally Sports thing is his fault, what? seeing as he's an A-list radio host. Come on. Oh, that's well, I'm true. Not, I'm not an A-list. Look, I got no, you nominated. That's, that's it. Riz is going to win that thing. We all know. From the 618, I'd vote for you, Anthony. For Thank me you. too. Six, that was me. I texted that in. <laughs> From the 636, he holds Mo accountable. That's oh. pretty important. That's nice. right. Does Riz do that? Can <laughs> no, Riz say not. that he's holding Mo accountable? No, Absolutely not. Not one bit. From the 636. Anthony wants to do drugs in the dark with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know what? I actually will co-sign on that because uh, I'm I'm the only one make it out of that. Like people are gonna be like, what what the hell happened here? And I'm just gonna be I'm gonna vanish. What the hell happened, to Aaron Rodgers? When did the think, dark hole, the St. Louis radio host, came out? That was it. I think Anthony killed the guy. <laughs> You might want to lay low, <laughs> for, lay low a for a little bit. You stabbed him with a trident. <laughs> From the 636, when Anthony pauses for dramatic effect while speaking sternly, I feel like I did something wrong and want to apologize. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was watching, who was it who was talking about this? Somebody was talking about it uh, with Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle had told this this comedian, it's all, it, it's all about the pause. Right, the power is in the pause. All right. Uh, I'm definitely not Dave Chappelle. He does it way better. But maybe you get maybe Ranthony is also like the dad version of me. Totally. So you're starting to feel that what my kids feel. So I'll definitely uh man, I'll tone it back. Keep the dramatic pause. I like it. Sometimes I'm just trying to think of what I what I'm supposed <laughs> to say next. The hamster gets off the wheel. Michelle. All right, Michelle, uh, have, have, I've had a, a great two days with you. Thank you so much for filling in again. Thank and you for having me. We got maybe a couple more shows coming up over the I'll, next couple of weeks. I'll talk to you next week, buddy. For Michelle Smallman and Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you tomorrow at Max Downtown Alton. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.